Hey everyone, and welcome to the NovaCast, a Digimon rewatch experience. I'm Sloan. I'm Scrafty. And I'm Tom. And today we're covering episodes 5 through 7. We are still getting right into the thick of it with Digimon Tamers. Uh, yeah, these, again, like, it's it's kind of like, I feel like the thing that's going to be, as I introduce how, what episodes we're doing, is going to be like, yeah, these episodes are pretty good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I think it's going to be consistent. Um, these were all fairly varied episodes as well. I feel like there were three, three episodes which felt fairly uh, distinct. You know, they, they, they had mostly, for the most part, they had like open and closed like stories for the episodes, while still being fairly serialized and picking, continuing up, continuing to carry on the momentum that it's had uh, so far. I, yeah, I really think that's the real strength of Tamers is that. It can it can tell great self-contained stories while also carrying on momentum from previous episodes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that really it's really apparent um, already. So I'm excited to see um, where it goes now. We're we're still really just getting to know the characters, which which is great. Like it's taking its time to like you know it, it feels like at the moment the show's number one priority is getting the gang together, like the, the core trio of of um, Kato, Henry, and Rika. And I, and I feel like by the end of uh, episode 7, we'll cover episodes 5 through 7 today, then I feel like we're most of the way there by the end of that episode. But we'll uh, we'll, we'll, see. we'll see. We'll see what the next one's yeah. bringing. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, I, I like the way that things are slowly starting to come together. Like, I've forgotten some, like, these, like, little bits from these episodes like early on so it, it is nice to see like okay like yeah like they they may be a bit slower but they aren't bad they're just setting things up they're setting up a very intricate web to be yeah. like executed in terms of ideas much later on and i i really appreciate that there's a lot of foreshadowing in these three episodes um definitely like first time watcher wouldn't realize that but like coming back to it it's it's so clear how carefully and meticulously this stuff is set up mm. yeah it's great but before we get to the episodes, we do have a little bit of news. If y'all will be let me uh, be behooved, be play, uh, behoove play, me. Play a little, little <laughs> news, uh, news ticker theme. Okay. Here, okay. So this is where the sports center theme will go. Okay. So first bit of news: uh, Digimon Super Rumble, an MMO being developed in Korea on Unreal Engine Four by uh, the developers of Digimon Masters, has been announced. It's really just like a Nintendo game in like the UE4. It's just the Nintendo Hire This Man song, but like given flesh into a Digimon game. <laughs> yeah. A lot. I think it looks okay, but like I I don't know why there's suddenly this like influx of licensed or, you know, there seems to be a lot of various a lot of Digimon announcements lately in like in this sort of space, the kind of like um I guess the Asian games space. Like this is clearly not a quote unquote global product. Um this is this is clearly something just meant for the uh the Korean did you say it was Korean, sorry? It was it's uh developed in Korea. I I've heard stuff that's only going to be in Korea, so uh I yeah. don't know exactly, but South Korea and Korea centric. Yeah, they, they 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 have a lot of MMOs over there, um, and uh, yeah, I mean it it really does look like the Nintendo hire this man thing. It's it's like that was my first comment as soon as I saw it. Yeah, it's just jarring. But yeah, it's um, 
I don't know. He's kind of got ties there for some reason. I'm not sure why. Who's? Do, do you both want to like go on the uh, Infinity Mountain raid with me? I mean, like we got to get 37 <laughs> more people, but like, like I want to get like that uh, that purple like uh, Devimon cloak of fire resistance. So. <laughs> It's on the way the way you describe those games visuals as looking like looking like it takes place on the Just Cause Island makes me laugh so hard. Like Yeah, there's a there's a third I there's wish. a third picture of Jedi <laughs> with the uh with seven of the partner Digimon from Adventure, discounting Godamon, of course. And it's just like on the Just Cause Island, like there's like random like cell towers and stuff, and it's like, okay, like what? Uh it Nintendo truly did hire this man. <laughs> this isn't even like a screenshot or anything, this is just like promotional art from what I can tell. And yeah, it's just like it really does look like the island from Just Cause, like which is nice. I mean, it's it's clearly it's a nice island, detailed, I guess. Um, you know, the actual pictures of what's presumably in-game footage looks yeah, it look it looks nice, but like God knows how it plays. Yeah, I don't know what Digimon Masters is, so that's that. Yeah. Scrafty, I believe you have some Digimon Masters knowledge you can drop on us. Yes. <laughs> so, um, I'm judging with this conversation, I'm guessing that neither of you are familiar with it. Sadly, no. I played good no. MMOs. No. Uh, oh, asterisk, there is no such thing as a good MMO. I don't play any MMOs, <laughs> which is which exactly. is the real good MMO. Exactly. Okay, so it was so it was an MMO that started uh, it started its world global service around 2012. I want to say. Um, and it was based on, it was heavily based on Digimon Savers, despite being, like, six years removed from the end of that anime. Um, it's a bit of a weird congregation of aesthetics and, and subject matter. And I think just like this upcoming one, it was also developed in Korea. And the reason I, I remember that is because there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of untranslated Korean text in the game. <laughs> like even in the English version, <laughs> you go to some areas and there just be like random untranslated Korean, and it's like, oh, okay, I guess the localization budget was a dime. But it was really, it was really freaking cool for one reason and one reason only, and it was prior to like Cyber Sleuth coming out. It was the the only game, to my knowledge, where you could be followed around by your Digimon partner and actually have like a size accurate version of them. Okay, that is cool. So like. If you had Nagumon, like you know, it was like up to your up to your waist about it followed you around, it was cool. But if you had like a machine Germon, that was a big sucker that would like tower over you and, and follow you around and like <laughs> all the other players would get to see how big your Digimon is and it was so cool. So it's like I, let's go Agumon, let's go Gabumon. <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's got I was gonna say how it goes sort itself and then I remembered. No wait, they did do it again. They did do the they did do the uh, the Pokemon following you around again. Just on time. Do you want to um, <laughs> hear another interesting uh, fact about uh, Masters that I, I learned that seems sure. pretty uh, interesting? So apparently all the healing moves were paid only, so you had to pay to be a healer. And that's just the what? wildest thing to me. Wow. <laughs> that's what I heard that's... in another Discord. So, I, I mean, I don't know the Veracia's claim, but I, it's yeah. from who I would trust as a reliable source. So <laughs> Yeah, it was... It was definitely a bit of a messy MMO, but I did I did like it. Um, I think I put about sixty to eighty hours into it to get Dark Dramon, which is just still my favorite Digimon of all time. Um, and then I just stopped. <laughs> I was like, you know, what? I got it. I'm good. I don't need to play. Apparently, anymore. they added like a bunch of like stuff from like Adventure. Like they added like a whole like Odaiba update or something. Like there seemed to be like it going for a while. So weird. I mean, this this new one this new one is clearly angling for the Adventure fans. You know. 
Jedi ties there. Yeah, like it shows Ty in the fourth uh, image of this uh, tweet from at Pokey Jungle. Um, so, like, can you play as one like the the the, the Digidestin? Like, can I play as Mimi in this? I I, I figure it's... if it's like Masters, they're just gonna be NPCs in the game. Like, yeah, uh... it'll be like it'll be like that that DC Universe game where like you can make a superhero, but you can't like play as Batman. Batman's just there as like. A well, I wouldn't want to play as Batman. That would be boring. Yeah, because well. that's what Masters was like. <laughs> okay. Masters had the the cast from Savers, but you couldn't play as them. And it took okay. place after the anime, so you actually got to take a bit of a peek at what they were up to once the the curtain fell on that, which is an interesting premise considering, um, with the ex- exception of the Adventureverse, obviously, we very rarely get to see what happens to the characters in this franchise after their adventures end. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. That's fun. Yeah, I, honestly, I can't say if it was good or not, because that was... Nearly a decade ago at this point, and I'm, I have a terrible <laughs> short-term memory, or long-term memory, rather. But, um... Sure. I, I remember enjoying it. Maybe maybe just because I had Darktermon, and anything with Darktermon gives me serotonin, but it was, it was a fun <laughs> Understandable. You had your fave, and yeah. Yeah, I, I get yeah, it. I hope that this new one is uh, the true Final Fantasy XIV killer it deserves to be. So this is like, this is the Final Fantasy XIV to Masters, uh... Masters is eleven, so yeah. I don't, I don't know. Maybe they'll live. They'll live. They'll they'll live side by side in harmony. Except they won't, because I think Masters has been shut down based on some <laughs> some of the things that I saw. Oh, it, just doing it yeah, quick. Google, so. I don't think there's been a single online Digimon project that's that's uh, lasted more than yeah. a couple of years. Because <laughs> um, yeah, even the mo- even I, the mobile I, I, games I, seem to not last long. Yeah, yeah. I used to play the the mobile game Digimon Heroes again until I got Dark Digimon and then stopped. Yeah. I I played that. I played that game. It was bad. I tried firing it up like a year later and uh, realized it was just like dead. Like the server just shut down and they didn't even give us any warning. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, that was a bad game. So, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it, it, was, it was like a, it was a crummy like match three game that was, that just used like JPEGs, <laughs> like l- literal JPEGs. You yeah. didn't get anything else. Like the art that was on the cards was the only art you got. I'm glad that, I'm glad that they're realizing that gacha games can be like, you know, other genres other than like bad Final Fantasy type thing. Oh, oh well actually sorry, bad Dragon Quest type thing. Or 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 match free. <laughs> you know, I'm glad that they're realizing yeah. that like it can be strategy games and like, you know, open world <laughs> adventure games and shit, you know? I think Gatcha's still awful, but you know. Yeah, the, the King of Fighters one is a is a, a Gatcha beat em up and I think I think that's pretty freaking cool. Oh yeah, I think I think like I'm not sure if that's how the Injustice games work as well, but I know they're pretty popular. And like <laughs> the Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, the Injustice games. Not really. Take down, take down Poison Ivy during Pride Month. <laughs> Pizza Club. We, oh, we've defeated, po- we've beaten up Poison Ivy 17 billion times during Jesus. Pride Month. It was just so funny, the the way that they, they issued the apology for that. It's like we didn't realize how, how tone deaf this would be. It's like you didn't ask like, literally anyone. Like what? What is worth? Ask this one is one person. This is also how I learned that poison ivy is is um queer. So like I didn't know before <laughs> now, uh, but I mean I, really? I, I saw it. And I was That's... like, oh, that makes sense. Um, maybe 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 there were some people there that thought like me. Although I'm not working on a DC Comics fighting game like it, for exactly, all eternity yeah, like apparently. Game... So I don't. I have an excuse. Yeah, I don't know if the mobile game was the same voice lines as. As the the, the you know the, the console fighting game, but the console fighting game had Harley and Ivy flirting with each other in their intro quotes. So like, 
if the game does have that, there's no excuse. Like, why? Oh, why, can why we hold on real quick? I need to go uh, buy Injustice 2 for my PC. I'm opening Steam real quick. So just give me like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. We have so, another uh, bit of news. Oh, we um, do. So, in a very baffling decision uh, by literally, I guess, everyone involved at Hulu. So, last week, episode 50 of Digimon Adventure Colon parenthesis 2020 uh parenthesis uh aired which is the the big final fight between uh the villain uh spoilers uh if you don't want to hear it close your ears for just this brief second millennium on okay spoilers are over you can uh, you can re-listen back to this podcast so uh it's th- this I big think, I, I, uh, confrontation I don't, think that's how, I don't think that's how sound works stone by the way no just... you, no you can re-listen again it's okay <laughs> Um, okay. who, who cares? I mean, that show, like, who cares about spoilers in that show? Anyways, um, so yeah, this has been an arc that has been going over 22 episodes, I want to say, about that. Um, so it wasn't up on Hulu last week and on Saturday night when it normally is. I was like, huh, that's weird. Maybe they're putting it up late. Uh, wait another day. Huh, that's weird. It's not up on Sunday. So apparently Hulu only had the rights to, uh, stream the first 49 episodes. Oh my god. And they didn't get out of a 66 episode series and it's cliffhanging right on the, like, the big end of the climactic arc and before we actually get story stuff, I am baffled by it. So, I'm guessing Crunchyroll's gonna pick pick it up swiftly then. I don't know. I I have no idea. Is it on Crunchyroll? It probably is. Maybe it only was meant to be... Maybe they were like, how many episodes... Are we doing here? Because they they like to have like tight contract, like open shot contracts or something at Hulu. Until so it was like uh, forty nine, I guess something like that. And they were like, sure, let's let's say forty nine then. And then and then they actually ended up doing like fifty percent more or something. So uh, I don't know. That's weird. Um, I feel. Yeah, I, feel I gotta. Like a, I gotta see how much uh, Crunchyroll has. I'm fact checking this. Crunchyroll has like a lot of. Yeah. Okay. So Cr- Crunchyroll older, has so, has yeah. the has all of it so far. So uh, someone let me borrow their Crunchyroll account for the Ooh. next 16 weeks. Thank you. Interesting. I don't know that. <laughs> um, hey, don't look at me. I don't use Crunchy. Well, I don't watch anime, except for Digimon Tamers, <laughs> apparently. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, and also yeah, that's a baffling decision where someone like uh, tweeted them like, "Hey, like, why don't you have this?" And they were like, "Oh yeah, we're sorry, we have no more plans to like extend this license." Okay, from tweet. Hey there, it looks like we have the rights to stream episodes one through forty nine. While there's no news on more episodes streaming joining our Hulu streaming library, we'll definitely make sure the interest reaches our team. They probably won't. For now, be sure to keep the show in your my stuff plus watch list for any updates. Maybe they were like on an anime kick at the time, and then they quickly decided, actually, no, we're not really bothered anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, oh, actually, come to think of it, like, isn't this isn't isn't this like a year basically since the show? Like, it's over a year now since the show started. Yeah, right? over it's so, been over a year now. I mean, like, it's so been about a year since like the show like uh like re kicked off because of uh, COVID hampering the. Yeah, there was there was a shutdown here briefly. Right, right, right. I mean, that's maybe why. Maybe it was just the first year. Yeah. So, you know, that that would make more sense than just an arbitrary number, but... Uh. Oh, well. Yeah, that show doesn't sound like it's lighting the world on fire by an extent. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's obviously, you know, it's not being... It's not getting can- it has, It's not getting cancelled uh, prematurely or anything like that, but... Uh, I don't know. I just see zero buzz about it. Yeah. In general. Which yeah. uh, is a shame, but, you know. I guess they're they're going back to try to like get a younger audience for it, which like you know like it makes sense. You don't want to keep pandering to a rapidly aging audience. You want to try to 
get a new generation who's going to grow up with it and you know, no in this case please pander to me the adult <laughs> <laughs> i mean i like, don't really that's... i don't really care about that they, they're, they're welcome to like do that if they want but like i feel like that shorthand and, and is often probably used as shorthand or ends up leading to an idea of like we need to dumb the show down or whatever which adventure never yeah, needed well, that's, never that's needed. what i'm saying is that like it it feels like they're going hard after the kid audience of this, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that inherently. It's just like, considering we've seen, especially right now, the episodes we're watching, like how the show can remain accessible for audiences without sacrificing any complexity or emotional depth, it just feels like a waste. I mean, even right. Adventure had that. Like, Adventure still had, like, like allowed you to, to like, Assume that you were like smart and like could remember things and like picked up on things. Like, <laughs> wow. I think, and I think the biggest uh, flaw of 2020 is the fact that they reused the same cast. Like, if it was a new cast and like maybe like the same Digimon or something, but like obviously different personalities, like, hey, you know what? Go for that. But I think they, tr- they want to both get the new audience and pander to the kids, but then be like, hey, adults, y'all like the original kids too, right? Oh, you like War Greymon? We have War Greymon? Yeah. You, you like War Greymon? We got War Greymon. Well, I, I don't blame them because, like, after the way... I mean, I mean, it seems like, like, Fusion kind of... Fusion was quite successful for a while, and then I feel like by the time Young Hunters came to a close, it kind of wasn't anymore. And then... It- so it's it's a bit weird because Fusion as a show did not do too well. Fusion as a brand did very well. Sure, okay. I think that's what matters. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Is is like yeah, how, like the the, toys, how the toys perform, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Like the the show apparently got pretty pretty poor ratings throughout the show. Not not poor, just poor by the standards of the franchise. With the toys sold like crazy, and that's what saved it. Right. Well, either way, like the um the uh, Aplemon was the next thing, and. Even though that sounded like, by all accounts, it was a much better show, um, it obviously didn't really make any, again, make any waves. So, um, and that's probably why they went back to adventure for like their main show aimed at, you know, the typical Digimon audience, rather than, you know, they were doing, they was, they were already doing adventure stuff by the time like Applemon started airing, but it was like obviously aimed at an older audience, and and then, and then I feel like at this point they're like. Yeah, we can't do both like simultaneously. We just need to like just do adventure, <laughs> just do adventure stuff because it's the only thing that seems to work apparently. Which I think is just a lack of confidence in you know their ability to like create new worlds or whatever. It probably just wasn't that compelling. Like at the end of the day, whatever they had for Applemon, which you know is a shame. I was thought doing like a smartphone themed Digimon series would make a ton of sense, but they, I, I think they got too far away from what Digimon is, like, recognizably is. Like, the designs of the Digimon were just strange, to be honest. Anyway, that's my two cents on that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with, like, the Digimon brand, like, from here on out, because, like, or at least on the anime side, because, like, if they can't rely on, like, the heavy hitter of adventure, like, what are they going to do? And hopefully that's just, like, sparks, like, something, like, fresh and, like... I'm hoping that desperation breeds innovation. Yeah, like, I, at this point, like, give me something that's just really weird and off the wall for Digimon, even if it doesn't seem, like, fitting, because at least it'll be something new. Yeah, I think they need to do what the, uh, how, I knew Tamers wasn't necessarily, like, a ratings wildfire or whatever, but, like, 
I think having someone come on board who is like outside of that world essentially um, and can offer like a more sort of stark, starkly distinct take on things will definitely benefit them a lot because like I don't know, like uh, they need the talent behind it. That's the only reason this show. That's the only reason we give a shit about the show even now. So um, shows, shows, shows plural. I should say actually. So you know they. Uh, yeah, they can do it. And also maybe just I don't know, I feel like maybe the confi- like the TV anime space might I don't know if you know, the original like Adventure and Tamers and Savers, I guess, managed to like work within those constraints of being like a TV anime series that has to run for like fifty or so episodes and you know, it's it's like twenty minutes an episode or what have you and all that kind of thing. But like they don't really have to do that anymore. They could like go to like Netflix or something and you know do something a bit more budget, a bit more like creatively open. So they've got various avenues yeah, to like, explore. Yeah, like, like a smaller streamlined like OVA or something. Yeah, all that. Yeah, but I, I, I would like an ongoing series. Like, oh, totally. Like, that, is a, that is a similar length to like your Tamers and stuff. But um, I understand if, you know, if that's not as easy to do nowadays, then rather than doing something sh- something shorter and sweeter. Um, also, that'd be cool just because I'd have more time to actually watch it. So. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be fun um but but yeah i'm curious to see what they do next totally we'll we'll find out but not for a while because we're still in the midst the early stages of tamers so speaking on that would y'all uh be good if i started with our first uh synopsis for for the week yes let's Go ahead. do this so episode five dream a little dream or in the sub kulu kulu playing with kulamon so the episode starts with Takata's schoolyard, like just there's a bunch of strange chalk drawings everywhere. And of course, kid, elementary school kids being elementary school kids are like, oh, a ghost did it. Oh, it's aliens, etc., etc., etc. And Takato is kind of like joking around with it because, of course, he's not going to be like, oh, I bet it was a Digimon type of thing. And so Jerry says that when she was in the infirmary... She, she saw what she feels must have been the culprit, which was just some sort of cat or something, she believes, hiding behind some medicine bottles, and it jumped out and scared her, and she saw footprints on the ceiling. So she doesn't really know what it is, but she's like, I think I saw something that must have done that. After school, we see Calamon, the little goblin Digimon that we all know and love, sort of, so far, because we haven't gotten to know him yet. He's watched some kids play soccer. Everyone leaves. He tries to play by himself, but... You know, it's just one little Digimon playing soccer, so he can't really do much. He breaks into a storage shed, and it reveals that he is the one making the the big chalk scribbles by making his own soccer field, so to speak. On the next day, because it's a weekend, Takado goes to school and brings Guillemon along, and they find Calamon, who wants to play with Takado. They end up meeting with Henry at the little Guillemon's little prison, and they think that, oh, Calamon's a stray Digimon who can't get home, and they think, oh, let's find a tamer for him, but... They don't really have any luck with that. Like, they think, oh, Kazu, but Kazu is just sort of a reckless dude who just says, I want to make my Digimon powerful and have it fight. Then they say Susie, but they're like, oh, well, Susie would just play dress up with it. So, no. And they think, oh, well, what about Jerry? And they're like, oh, well, Jerry and Calamon would be scared of each other. So the two boys are off. Henry and Takata, like, sort of thinking Gilmon was made to, to keep Calamon, like, in check. But Calamon was like, hey, buddy, let's play. So... Uh, of course, Gilmon's like, yeah, like, like, let's go. They end up to the school. 
and they get into the the little shed again to get the the chalk marker thing whatever it was that big like sort of wheelbarrow thing that puts the chalk on the field and they end up making another field to get people to play with them but while that happens a digital field appears and we see Vilemon who is a little, little tiny boy just a little birthday boy he's annoyed that Gilemon is sort of Gilemon is looking down on him He's like, oh, like, what? Like, I'm I'm actually strong. And starts to attack, and Guillemon and Calamon are sort of in trouble, but Henry and Terriermon and Takondo show up, and they sort of help out with fighting Vilemon, but they don't quite beat him, but that's when Rika and Renamon show up and just completely destroy Vilemon with no issue. Renamon absorbs Vilemon's data. Takato again, is like, stop destroying these things just to absorb them. And he's like, hey, don't hurt Calamon. And Rika, like, seems kind of like, oh, that's cute, Calamon. But then I was like, huh, I'm a tough person. I'm a tough girl. And she leaves. And then Calamon's is like, you're boring. Bye. And that's basically when the episode ends. So it feels very, like, short and sort of by itself. But we start to get a better look at uh, at Calamon sort of getting the introduction to him, who is going to be a much bigger part of the series going forward. So you made me realize something during that description, Sloan, because uh, you called Gilmon's prison. Uh, you called Gilmon's like cell or shelter or whatever. You called you called it a prison, and my first thought was obviously like, oh no, Gilmon's Gilmon's it's a full prison. Gilmon's a good boy. He he doesn't he doesn't need to be called. And then I got my thinking. I just realized his name is Gilmon, which means guilty, as we've established previously. So that's why he's in prison. That's why he's behind oh. bars. There we go. It all fits. It's like poetry. Hashtag guilty mon, hashtag for all the money. There we go. <laughs> for all the money, there we go. Um, yeah, so, sorry, I just had to get that off my chest. <laughs> um, I liked this episode a lot. I thought it was very cute. Um, I, I like that they... Yeah, it's really cute. That's that's most of what I have to say about it is that it's cute, but... <laughs> There's not a lot going on. Yeah, I, you are right. Like, I think this this is mainly serves as like a wider introduction to Calamon. Uh, I, I don't feel like I hadn't already got like a decent grip on his personality before now um you know he is very goofy he's not quite he's very immature clearly like he's not quite aware of you know the human world and the various things in it and has a childlike you know curiosity slash uh attitude to things like where you know Things aren't dangerous or anything that he he's just playing. He's just playing all the time or wants to play all the time. Yeah. He's vibing. Yeah, I guess so. Like he's like a weird mix of like Terriamon and Gilmon. Like he feels like at this moment, like he's got he's kind of like slap bang yeah. in the middle of those two, or like some weird fusion of like Gilmon's personality with Terriamon's like you know uh look, but Ears. also kind of his personality as well. <laughs> like so yeah, he is, obviously, yeah, yeah, so... The, my my uh, question is, he, how does Calamon know what, a, does, know what an earring is, but he doesn't know what a lock is? Like, what 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 is up with his knowledge? That's It's so it's so wild, like, what he does know and doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, it, it makes me feel like... Okay, what... First thing, it's, it makes me feel like, like that a, might be like... a tick he has for the dub, or something. Like... It, it, is he as like I don't know what this stuff is in the in the sort? No, it's definitely more of a dub invention in the in the sub. He's more like naive overall, um, but it's less like not knowing what things are called and more just like literally being a baby, <laughs> like 
Okay. Is is Sub Kalimon a hobo kid? No, he just talks in the third person a lot, which is like a Japanese trait they give to like cute characters. Oh, that's, would, that's all right, I guess. I won't call him a hobo kid. Uh, wait, he, say, he's not a hobo kid, but he's he's got like the mannerisms of like a, a little kid, like a little hobo kid, but not like the the voice accent of one. So yeah, yeah, like there was a clear distinction between uh, Kalimon and Susie. Um, you know, <laughs> so so yeah, this is not it's not that bad. But um, I like um, yeah. I don't know his aloofness like, is very full. Yeah. Like, and I, I, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, like the so like the the, the gimmick that uh, Kalimon slash Kulumon has in the sub instead is that he vocalizes like sound effects a lot. Oh, that's cute. So like when he when he when like when he when he takes a step, like he says like the I want to for like pit pat pit pat as he's walking, and like Aww. just in general just kind of like narrates whatever sound effects he's doing. But I I do love his his dub personality though, just because of how like it's a weird mix of of childish, but also like kind of like sarcastic at times. Like when he takes yeah. a rock and starts bashing the lock, says so that uses some gentle persuasion. <laughs> he's sassy, like a, like so, when he, he's it's yeah he's he's very sassy when he just says like oh you guys are boring I'm off after they just yeah. <laughs> saved his life like come on. Yeah, have he's some, like there must be people out there who are more fun than you, and then he just like flies off and just like. Oh, okay. Yeah, I do. Really, I, I do like. I... I do like that he picks up on the fact that like he was, he just met them, and then suddenly he was in a very dangerous situation, so he should probably get away from them. I feel like that's yeah, that's fair. That's a good observation on Kalamun's part, but the rest of it just comes across as a bit, <laughs> it's a bit snotty. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's a he's an interesting character. Well, I think what I like about this episode a lot is that, like you said, it does like kind of develop everyone's relationship with Kalamun a bit more. I think it also introduces a very interesting concept to this series, and that's uh, it was touched on before, but this is the episode where it gets the most focused so far. Uh, the not like the responsibility that comes along with being a tamer. It's not like an yeah. adventure or Adventure Zero Two, where like a literal like child could have a, a Digimon, there's no problem with that whatsoever. Like they they put a lot, a lot of emphasis on if Kalimon's gonna have a partner, it needs to be someone who can ma- like not only match his energy, but like take care of him well, and the actual consideration put into like. You know, if we could find a partner for this guy, they're going to be bonded for life, and we need someone who's not going to drive him crazy, or someone that's not going to, you know, take advantage of him or abuse him or whatever. Uh, and that's not something I think that the show ever really cared about until now. Like, there was no question, you know, when, when TK got Potamon or when Kari got Gatamon in, in Adventure, like, oh, are they going to be able to take care of him? Like, are they going to be able to, you know, be a good fit for each other? It was just kind of like, oh, they were destined to be together, whatever. It, they're 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 cool. Yeah, I think the closest we got was in Zero Two with like the the Digimon Emperor and Wormmon, and like them being like, "Well, why would he have a partner? Like, he's he's a bad guy." But like, then it doesn't like really get explored on and more like that base level of like, "Why do bad guy have Digimon? Me no understand." Type of thing. Like, so I do appreciate that look of like them, even as silly as them being like, "Oh, like what what about Kazu?" And it's like, no, and he's like the picture of like Kalimon just getting buffed by a boxing glove. Which, yeah, so that's. I, I want to you shouldn't. <laughs> you shouldn't be allowed to show Kalamon violence. I don't I wanna, think I that should be allowed. That, for a second. That, that entire section is an extended reference to a classic anime. Oh, it's, it, it, yeah, it, Rocky. Oh, right? I loved Rocky. <laughs> no, it's, it's actually uh, Ashino Joe. Oh yes, right. Or to, right. tomorrow's Joe. It's um like 
it, a lot of people, like modern anime fans, probably know Megalobox. Megalobox is like a a retelling oh, of Ashita no Joe, um, which is like the vintage boxing manga in Japan. It, can't, it started even before Ippo in Japan. It ran like the sixties and seventies. And the the main coach in that has an eye patch, just like Kazu has in that um, dream sequence. Oh, okay. and um, the attack okay. that Kalumon attempts to perform on on Gilman in that dream sequence is a uh, Joe's signature move, the cross counter. But because Kalumon's got little stubby arms, it fails. He just gets punched in the face instead. <laughs> oh dang! That's poor little it's, guy. It's a, it's a very clever. Um, it's a very clever, very like well done reference, and it makes sense because Takago's the one imagining it. You can definitely understand that you know a. a Japanese boy would probably be pretty into like comics and especially comics that were pushed as hard and sure. as often as Ashino Joe was back in the day. Yeah, it, it works as like a as an, it's an easy thing to localize as well, like without having to you know bring over the reference, so to speak. So you know, I I, I thought yeah. it was a I thought it was a funny like what if <laughs> scene, but yeah, yeah, knowing the uh, knowing that reference is 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 fun. They do make a small bit of censorship in the dub, though. Um, in the sub, there's an ex- extended shot of after Kalamon gets decked in the face, he's lying on the ground with like a giant boil on his cheek while the referee does a 10 count. Baby! <laughs> and the dub just replaces that with another insert shot of Kazu yelling at him. Alright. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. That's pretty true to Kazu's personality still, so, you know. He's yeah. like, what are you going to punch in the face for? Yeah, so, I don't know. I, I did like them going over all the people they knew and just being like, Here's why they're not uh, basically pointing out their like weaknesses, <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, she's a wuss. He's a he's a dick. Uh, she's a, uh, a she's Sid from Toy Story. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's this a Toy Story thing? <laughs> no, it's Sid's sister. Like that's uh, yeah. yeah they yeah. really do do the Miss Nesbit thing of oh my God, uh, Cal- Miss Pointy Pants. Calamon is Mrs. Nesbit. <laughs> that's great. See, the oh, thing I yeah. didn't understand with that scene was you don't need a ribbon and an Easter bonnet, Susie. You need to learn to accessorize smartly no, that's, that's and not just put on everything you can. <laughs> I can't believe you're criticizing the fashion sense of an uwu kid. Yeah. <laughs> Look, <laughs> it's a six-year-old girl. Slow, um, not, slow not here, man. You freaking morons. These don't match. Uh, Justin Wong, welcome to the real world, not AVI. <laughs> okay. Um, I thought something interesting here was... An, uh, I kind of wish they touched upon this more, but like I guess they they did enough with it, I suppose, for what it needed to be. So Calamon is, with some exceptions of like some like superpowers and so on that we'll meet later, like um, and obviously I think I think Impamon also touches on this topic as well. But like Calamon is basically the only Digimon that we're gonna see that doesn't have a tamer, and they kind of like. The, the concept of... So here's the thing. So Digimon Tamer is a concept that I feel like we only get properly here for the first time in the anime in this series, which makes sense given the name. But it's obviously a concept that pre-existed. Like, it is something that was from the video games primarily, I believe. And maybe the, maybe the mangas as well. Uh, but in the anime, they were just partners. Like, although they were the Digidestined or someone. Like, I don't think they were referred to as tamers. Unless they were maybe in the sub, I don't know. But, like, that concept is so... Those are two very different things. Like, Agumon and Tai are partners. You know, uh, Davis and Vimon are partners. Kari and Gatamon, etc, etc. Like, the concept of having a tamer, like, one being, like, the tamer and the other being the, well, the tamed, is such a 
it's an, it's such an interesting let's say concept because it implies that like I feel like it reinforces the fact that the Digimon are like animals, and that's kind of a strange concept when you look at like Henry and Terrymon or Riku and Renamon, who unlike Gilmon, they're not really they're not animals. You know, they may sort of resemble animals, but like they're definitely more together, let's <laughs> say. And the more we're seeing of yeah, Gilmon, think... he's not so much acting like a dog anymore. He's acting like a like a child, like like a, but like a human child uh, to some extent. Like so, the notion of the, basically like the weird like master and I don't want to say slave, but like you know <laughs> that's kind of the implication. Um, Pet and owner. That kind let's of concept with that maybe. Yeah, owner. I think, no, I, I think it's owner and object. We, I kind of skipped this out last in last week's episode, but I, I do think yeah, like the three dynamics at play are Terrymon and Henry are like like siblings. Um, Gilmon and Takato. I know that their, their relationships evolved a little bit since last episode, but they're still kind of like the most you know owner and pet type. Like Takato feels like he has to take care of Gilmon. He's worried yes. about him running away and and all that. Yeah, um, absolutely. And then Rika and Renamon are like a um, a master and servant kind of like a, she's like a butler to Rika, in a, you know, in a sense. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's kind of, or, or or maybe even like just to you know bring it back to the element of like Rika thinking she's just playing a game, and this is definitely something we'll get into in the next two episodes. Um, you know, she's like the manager of like, and then Rika's like the you know the sports, the athlete, or so on. Like she's, you know, like she's, a, she's like a football player. Man. Well, I was thinking more like Digi... <laughs> no unions allowed. Alex Ferguson or, you know, Jose Mourinho or someone like that, like a football, like a football, sorry, a soccer, uh, like, a, <laughs> like a soccer manager or something like that. I don't know, like, oh, a coach, I suppose, maybe. I can't, just believe, to... I can't believe that Erika, Erika planned the Spiral Mountain screw job. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, where was I? Yeah, so anyway, so the point, but the point is, is that these are all like umbrellaed under the term of tamer um and it's such a so it hasn't really bothered well it hasn't really made me think but this episode kind of because they because the one thing they do in this episode is they're considering who should look after calamon and it kind of puts the digimon in a scenario where like they must be owned which is really weird and and a kind of an uncomfortable way of viewing things especially after like our knowledge of Digimon, even if it is technically a different universe or whatever, our knowledge of Digimon is that they are basically on the same level as humans when it comes to like intelligence and free will and those kinds of things. Um, you know, with with differing you know different layers, there are more like animalistic Digimon that operate more on instinct and so on than than rational thought. But regardless, like they are more or less on the same level as humans. Um, and the Digimon that we've seen so far in Tamers don't really you know go against that notion um so this having the kids being like oh we need to pair up calamon with someone because he's a digimon and he needs a tamer it's like uh that's weird (laughs) so i I like at the end of the episode they kind of get to the point where they're like okay calamon clearly doesn't need a tamer like calamon's probably more of a free spirit and that's and that's cool and that's okay i think they i think it's less uncomfortable in this episode because of the context of why they're looking for someone for him because Earlier on in the episode, he causes a lot of mischief and even property damage. So, like, they're they're more like we need to find someone to you know be his owner, and more we need to find someone who's able to keep him out of trouble and you know kind of teach him like how to behave. I guess. 
I guess so. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a strange thing of like, Digimon need a like a leader or owner, a manager, you know, a master or whatever, you know, guardian or whatever. When you know, when especially when it's coming from like Takato and Henry, who have been very like, you know, hey, Digimon are you know, Digimon have free will; they're able to do whatever they want. You know, they're they're not here to fight or whatever. They're just here to you know do whatever they feel like. Um. And then suddenly they see Calamon causing too much trouble, so they're like, we need to pair him off with a human stat. Uh, especially because they get to the end of the episode, and, like, Calamon's not done anything to, like, dissuade them of that notion. Uh, dissuade them, sorry, of that notion. Um, but they're like, that's not it. <laughs> let's, let's just let him live. Let, let's <laughs> let him get on. So, I think I would agree if this was a world where, where humans and Digimon live together in harmony, but when you consider that, like, there's an active government organization out there trying to murder them all, yeah, not that I know about I, that yet, but like, there, yeah, there are exactly. inherent dangers of being alone in this world, and I think that it, it's understandable that they want someone that can take care of this innocent little cute guy and make sure he's not being, you know, hurt or taken advantage of, or that he's, you know, hurting other people by accident. Yeah, I think it's more, I wouldn't, I'm, I'm not coming at this from the perspective of like, this says something about Takato and Henry as like, characters, as people or whatever. I think it's more just like, it's a weird thematic um, subject to dip a toe into which is because i feel like the, the, even the name tamers kind of like leads down these some of these roads and this is the first time where it's actually led down like a road that does touch upon the notion of like ownership over digimon and stuff like this but it's very loose and very light and by the end of the episode it, it kind of tosses it in the bin anyway so like it's just i thought it was just interesting to consider and i know where the show goes and i'm especially thinking of the implement arc like i know that their general notion of the relationship between digimon and people is one of like you know you know togetherness and teamwork and like unity and that kind of thing rather than like a you know using them as tools or anything like that it's it's absolutely not the show's framework or like thematic framework but like it kind of does almost feel like turn a bit like it's going to go down that road at some point in this episode, and then it kind of just says, ah, yeah, I, 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 I feel you, the end. but I think that, that that's it's more of like a, an issue that's been kind of grandfathered in because tamers is what the, the Japanese version has always used to refer to, you know, like someone who's who's partnered with Digimon, like you are a tamer, right? And that goes all the way back to the original manga that predates, um, yeah, the original season of adventure, okay. Um, so I feel like that's that's less of like a, a statement on the the nature of their relationship, more just like a recognizable branding term, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, that makes that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I knew it was an old term, and I knew it at least go at least went back to like uh, I knew it at least went back to the uh, Wonderswan games and those kinds of things. But like, I didn't know how much further back it went. But if it's if it was there from the very beginning, then I guess yeah, it sounds like it was a it was it's an inherent. Uh, thing that's been picked up um i mean yeah and for what it's worth like the, the the word that's not the only implication that i think the word tamers has like i think tamer also just literally means like you know what takato is doing with gilmon which is making sure he's you know responsible and self-aware and so on which is which is good um you know that's and that's definitely a positive thing to instill upon someone be it human or digimon or whatever <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's not entirely in like a negative connotation by any means that the word tamer throws up, but yeah, there are some there are yeah you know, 
like literally when you think of tamer outside Digimon, like the word lion probably comes to mind, like lion tamer, and yeah, you know that that's not not, that's not exactly the best association. So, um, yeah, it's it's just I thought it was just interesting, and I didn't know if anyone else had picked up on any of that sort of like thinking emoji <laughs> uh, idea when they were discussing that with Calamon, but yeah, uh, no, I hadn't thought about that ever. So fair enough. Fair enough. No, that's fine. Maybe just me overthinking because this episode was over a bit. No, this episode was otherwise a bit a bit light. <laughs> Let's say so. So yeah, I feel bad for Takato because he doesn't even get like a, a, his own Digi modify sequence yet in this episode. But both Henry and uh, Rika get them. It's like, man, this sucks for Takato. <laughs> he's a, he's coming <laughs> last with everything. Like, you know, I can't remember when. Gilman finally digivolves. Uh, soon. I mean, certainly not in these three episodes, obviously. But, like, yeah, soon. Um, it's interesting to see the main character go last. Because <laughs> that, that was normally reserved for, like, you know, the, like, Deus Ex Machina character, basically. Like, your, your TK and so on. So... Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot left on this episode. Uh... There, there was one more thing I wanted to talk, talk oh, about. Oh, go for it, then. Yeah. So yeah, go near for the it. end of the episode, they do something that they don't do often in um, in this franchise, and that's after Rika and Renamon show up and, and decimate uh, Vilemon and suck up all his data. Takano just straight up says, "You killed him." Yep, <laughs> like, oh, I like that. No, I no like euphemisms. No, you destroyed him, or you you know you you hurt him. And no, he just says, "You killed him," and that's bad. Like it's that's right. It is a very um, refreshing bluntness that we're not often offered in this in this franchise like even in la- in last season when there's humans like dying they use a lot of euphemisms like oh we call like he doesn't have much time left or he's 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 not doing well or um you know when they're talking about uh ken as the emperor it's like you 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 hurt all those digimon like you you, you destroyed them it's like no they straight up say no rika, rika one of our three heroes of this just killed a living sentient creature i think, I think it's necessary yeah, it, it's it's really that's great. Firstly, and my ears perked up when I heard that line because I was just like, "Damn, good." You know, good. They went there, and I'm glad for it. Yeah, and the, I think we should we should definitely give some some props to uh, the dub team for that because the sub doesn't even say that. The sub, um, oh, well, okay. Takala's line instead is like, "So you just you just wanted him for his data." See, yeah, that's something you would expect to, like, be reversed, I feel like. But, I, yeah, I really appreciate them, sort of. And even, like, looking into it, like, in a better, like a bit of a meta way, it's like, you could be like, well, yeah, Takato's watched the show. Like, he's sort of, like, not even just discounting, like, him being, like, just, like, a good person who's like, <laughs> yeah. hey, like, don't hurt others. But it's like, they sort of highlight this in the show, like, in a way. So if you follow the idea of, like, Takato having been, like, a super fan, like, yeah, that's a really interesting thing that he would just, like, like not like interesting but like i should say it's a very like obvious thing that he he would just go for that like right away be like hey you you killed them don't like type of thing yeah. i i i um yeah i just imagine him just being like i didn't go through all of adventure Road 2 and watch like six million episodes of cody and yole bickering about the morality of killing digimon just for you it to come like in here and three. Murk one in the, in the street <laughs> <Damn joke. laughs> um it's uh yeah it's it's funny to imagine that as well but i think it's so necessary for him to just be straight really blunt about it because again she doesn't believe digimon are like real things and it's a notion that she's going to be quickly 
you know, she's going to need to be quickly again dissuaded of. Um, which yeah. yeah, so it needs to be it needs to come thick and fast because and you know, there's no time for like it's like yeah, destroyed him. It's like yeah, so what? The, the, the data or whatever. Because then the immediate thing that happens next is she's got the cute little Calan at her feet to to um you know it's essentially like a one-two punch, punch right. It's like this this idiot's caught saying that and killing Digimon. What they're talking about, and then cut to like oh this little thing at my feet. It's so cute. Uh, maybe Digimon. No, no, of course not. And then obviously that leads nicely into the next episode. So um, it's uh, it's quite good. I think, I think it's quite elegant. Yeah, yeah, it does sure. it does a very good job of hardlining like the conflict right away between Rika and Takato and like in their differences. So I think yeah, it's it's really good. Like obviously like they're going to become a team, but it's it's showing like a way that like okay, like th- these characters aren't gonna see eye to eye like right away. Yeah, exactly. Um I've got a few other notes about this episode, but they're mostly just around the fact that like some of the like sillier lines um in the in the dub at least um mainly about like <laughs> some of the teachers that are talking to one another and some of the shit they say is just really silly um it's, like, it's they're the hopscotch tournament they're actual funny jokes like they're not just corny like dude, these are actual good jokes yeah, yeah. I, I think i think it really works when it's teachers like just talking shooting the shit with one another because it just feels like they're they're just like taking the piss out of each other just to get through the day <laughs> which is like given given you know we've met teacher kari and like she's she's you know she's very obviously like basically miss miss Krabble, but like in a more grounded sense um and, uh, and the other teachers seem to be very similar like, okay so i i I've got a note here of I wish I'd wrote the whole quote down because I don't remember the rest, but like I just wrote down I just like the pictures. So Yeah, it was, um, so it was when they they were trying to figure out how to find the um the vandal that, that like, keeps messing with the school. And then one of the teachers was like, We should throw some breadcrumbs and see if they follow it, and the other one's like, Are you reading those stupid fairy tale books again? He's like, I just like the pictures, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's so goofy. I appreciate the talk about like the chalk budget. Like, oh, this is gonna like really bring up the school's chalk <laughs> budget. And I'm like, that's it's so dumb, but it's great. Like, that's such like a a of the era type of like school, like like elementary school <laughs> teacher joke that you would yeah. hear on a TV show. But it's great. Also, the guy being like, you can be replaced. I, I can't remember what he says that, but he just says something else. You, can, you can be replaced, you know, when he's talking about. Oh God, I can't even remember. Like, they they just come thick and fast. These like these like lines that they're clearly interjecting over over what is probably nothing or not much of anything in the original version. Um but they just seem a lot wittier in this one. I don't know why. Um yeah. like they're still they're still they're still corny, but it's it's good corny. It rather than whatever Adventure O2 was doing half the time. So um last question yeah. for you both on this episode. Who would win in a soccer match or football for Tom? Uh can the itchy can the rock itchy Joji or Calamon? Oh, Davis just Davis, Davis and Ty just don't get a look in. That is uh that seems a bit that seems a bit unfair, but Well, I mean, his he he had a nickname. So of course Ken's going to be like the one. Okay. To to, right. to to square up against Calamon. Um Calamon because he'll have like he'll get help from like his friends and then and then and then Ken will be no, like No, you get yeah, they got to go one on one. Uh but so, uh, you ever you ever play Slug Over Forest then? No, I have not. Oh, is this going to be a thing Yoda. about Yoda? 
Yeah. He plays Yoda in that game. And he had a very small hitbox and it was overpowered. <laughs> so that, that's kind of Oh, that's true. You that's you mean, true. You mean gone in Tekken 3, uh, Servbot in MVC2. Uh, yeah, the, the, the small characters. Yeah. Yeah. Pikachu. Yeah, Amaterasu in Marvel 3. <laughs> Pet Shop sure. in the JoJo's fighting game. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Pet Shop. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Callum wanted to toast that, and then and then he'd be celebrating with his friends, and then and then da- and then Ken would go, uh, "Nice friends you've got there, Callum." And then uh, and then and then, Ken, <laughs> and then Ken would have won uh, in our hearts. Just, for, just for, uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, shall we take a break before we move on to the next one? I'm just going to propose Let's that. take a break. We will take a break and then cover our last two episodes. Today, two Digimon who can't be tamed and one who needs her tamer to understand her secret. I will, Digimon, but how soon might depend on you. Time is running out. Secrets will be revealed and friendships forged as Rika, Henry, and Takato are drawn towards their destinies. Watch all new episodes of Digimon today starting at 9 Eastern, 8 Central and Pacific, only on Fox Kids. And we're back. We took a quick break and we're here to cover episodes uh, 6 and 7. So, Scrafty, I believe you wanted to take episode 6 for its synopsis. This is an episode that... um... Is special to me for a reason that I'll get to in just a minute. <laughs> so, episode six is called In English, O Partner, Where Art Thou? Which is a reference to the uh, the Coen Brothers movie, O Brother, Where Art Thou? It would come out the year before. This, this series is pretty interesting with the esoteric references it uses for its dub episode names. In Japanese, this episode is called What It Means to Be a Partner! Exclamation mark. Renamon Evolves! Exclamation mark. So... This one opens up, and we finally see a look at Rika's school life. She goes to a pretty fancy private school, and it seems like it's some kind of, like, parent day, because her mother and a bunch of other parents are standing in the back, attending a lecture with her. Right in the middle of it, Rika's mom, Rumiko, needs to leave for a photo shoot, because she's a rich and famous fashion model, and Rika's disappointed, but she immediately retreats into her, you know, angsty kid, like, whatever, I don't even care, shell. And as she's walking home from school, she realizes that Digimon is battle emerged, so she goes to take it out with Renamon, but Renamon's not strong enough to, to take it out. Thankfully, Henry and Takato are, are there as well, and they, they all team up to make sure that they can they can defeat it. But the fact that she wasn't able to take it out on her own again makes Rika very upset and bitter. So she goes home, or her grandma's waiting at this gigantic mansion that they have, and kind of, like, chews out Renamon for not being able to Digivolve and not being strong enough to, you know, defeat anyone who challenges them on her own. So we have a flashback that shows how they met after Rika got her title of the Digimon Queen by winning a national card game tournament. She goes home and complains about not really having any direction or, or ambition in life. And in reaction to this, a whole bunch of Digimon kind of appear in windows around her room and all beg to, you know, to let her, or let them be her partner, so that she can make them stronger and eventually make them Digivolve. Which is pretty silly, considering some of the some of the Digimon that appear before her include Apocalymon and Mummymon, which I don't think really need that much more power to begin with. If I could have Apocalymon for my partner, I probably wouldn't choose that, because that's a bad idea, but you know. So, one of 
One of the other ones that appears here is is Skull Maramon, but like in, in his like Team Ninja Turtles hat and trench coat, which I thought was really funny. It's really good. So they they all beg her for help, but she says that she only wants to take the strongest one, and they all kind of like back off and part to reveal that Renamon's there, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm I'm the strongest. I can I can help you out." So she comes out, and then Rika's card scanner turns into a, a digivice, and that's the day that they officially became partners, and Rika dedicated herself to becoming the strongest tamer in the world and making sure that Renamon's the strongest Digimon in the world. But then it goes back to the present, and because of their little spat, Renamon kind of goes off on her own while Rika's asleep. And while she's out, she meets the man, the myth, the legend, the best character in this entire show, Impmon, this little purple gesture cat-looking Digimon thing that makes fun of her for, you know, being so strong yet having to rely on a human to, to you know, take orders and then fight her battles. And kind of, like, criticizes her and looks down on her for, for not being as free as he is. But despite all his bluster, he's not very tough himself. When he tries to attack Renamon, it just kind of irritates her rather than actually hurts her. And then Renamon departs because another Digimon appears in the digital field. It's Dokugamon, the big creepy spider demon that's appeared, I think, in both seasons previously as well. And Rika shows up, but... She's attacked with a Dokugamon, and Renamon protects her at the expense of her own safety and gets severely injured by it. And it ends up kind of like getting knocked on, almost unconscious because she took a hit. She kind of took the bullet for, for Rika, Piccolo style. And Rika finally starts to realize that, you know, she actually does care for Renamon on some level and screams out, which causes Renamon to digivolve into Cubimon for the first time in the season, which, you know, is a much stronger champion than Dokugamon, is able to dispatch it easily. And then we kind of end the episode with Cubimon explaining to her that, you know, because it's their bond that allows her to get power, she has to actually care about her if she wants her to get stronger. And it doesn't really seem to penetrate Rika's head fully because she still seems to believe that the reason why she won was because she was stronger and not because, you know, they, they worked together and had a bond. And uh, that's kind of the note that the episode ends on is Rika telling her not to tell anyone that she cares about her, which is a bit of a bit of a sad note to end this otherwise very emotional episode on. Yeah, yeah, this, this was is a, a good this was great. But I'm interested. I'm interested. I'm interested to know what your uh, background here is with this episode. Essentially, Scrafty, if you if you don't mind, I just like Impmon a lot, in, so to speak. Oh, is that it? Okay. <laughs> Mark Simpson <laughs> is like holding up the potato. I just think he's neat. Yeah, I just I, I if, like we'll Fair get enough. into we'll get into it as as the series goes on. I will elaborate on my love for Impmon, but he is he is my favorite character of the season. Um, I freaking love everything about him. I love his uh, his appearance. I love his personality. I love his his voice, which is just Derek Stephen Prince doing a Joe Pesci from Goodfellas impression. It's so good. <laughs> it's it, kind it of like incredible. Like it, it's it's a lot like a um, uh, more nasally uh, version of his Vimon voice. I felt like it's 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 definitely like Derek Stephen Prince does a lot of great voices in in Digimon and in general, I suppose. But like. The this one and Vimon are fairly similar, I would say, personally. I I, I don't hear it as much, but the fact that he directly quotes Goodfellas at some points like makes me think that it is like definitely a Joe Pesci impression. Um, I mean, it's probably yeah, like he could, it, it, it may sound like Vimon to me, but yeah, like, I'm sure he had something in mind. And I've not seen Goodfellas because I'm a bad person about some or whatever. So. <laughs> I'm bad with films. Bad with watching get, films. You're gonna get mobbed by film Twitter, saying that is <laughs> like uh, like sacrilege to those, those weirdos. 
I've seen I've seen most Marvel films, but only uh, <laughs> I haven't seen I haven't seen Goodfellas. So I, I am scum. There we go, confirmed. <laughs> but yeah, it's he's he's a fun character. I I love that instead of calling his attack whenever he shoots a fireball, he just kind of goes bada boom. <laughs> Like a true it's, it's the new version of of clown trick where everything is just bada boom no matter what exactly it's like it's so much fun like he doesn't it's not actually what the attacks named he just he just says it because he likes he likes making his own sound effects <laughs> i think a lot of the stuff with impon which um which is you know really both like i suppose interesting to talk about and then but also like interesting about the character and also just like really engaging on both like an like an emotional level and a narrative level. All that stuff comes way later. Um but him introduced now, he is very much like set up as like a recurring, you know, schmuck for them to sort of scrap with. Like it doesn't really make any sense yeah. why the show would have something like that right now, but he's kind of introduced as like a pest. Um like a, in a sort of almost Team Rocket sort of way, or or maybe or maybe a better comparison would be like the Digimon Emperor from the beginning of Adventure O Two or something like that. Like he seemed he's just set up in that sort of sense. He's absolutely not that character in the slightest, um, and never really fits that role aside from a few moments. But like, you know, that's his first appearance here. And I've got to say, when I first watched this show, and he showed up, until he until he saw we really got going, I thought it was annoying as shit. Like I just thought he was really not at all in keeping with like the other characters and just he, he just he reminded me a lot of the worst parts of adventure and adventure 2 and like sort of how they could stray into formula quite a bit and i just couldn't stand him at all but then his storyline gets going and it's like oh okay no, yeah, this is I, a great I, character i can see that yeah so i i thought it, yeah I thought, like, like he gets he gets so good what was your what were your uh two instant like Initial reactions, if you can recall. I I can't. I I I probably thought he was funny. If anything, yeah, I think I thought it was funny too. <laughs> it's it's the. I mean, like the voice mate is a big part of it. I feel like like that sort of like right. goofy voice. He's doing the hey, I'm walking here, bada boom type of thing. Like that's funny to me. Uh, if you do an Italian type joke, I will laugh. Um. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's his story later on that I think like really makes it and like subverts just the fact that like he's just a little dorko who's trying to be a tough guy. But oh wait, like like thirty episodes down the line, we're gonna start getting a lot more of this. Yeah, there's a lot more dimensions to it. Like I think one of the things that annoyed me, um, and and I still kind of find a little bit aggravating here, and and a part of it is because of the show and the nature of the show and kind of the intended audience, I suppose. Or the expected audience, I suppose, is is, is more uh, more correct. Um, he's very he's very um, he's not remotely subtle about his feelings. Put it that way. Like he's he's very much like <laughs> I think you suck because you like humans so much, and that makes me angry. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt you because you're angry. He's like he's very he's just talking through all of his feelings, and it's kind of really annoying. <laughs> he's like, dude, just 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 growl or something, just like, or something. You don't need to spell out all your emotions. <laughs> so, Mon will rather do um, this than go see a therapist. <laughs> God damn it. Um, yeah, that's exactly how it feels. Like, he's just 24-7 venting. And, you know, I guess better than bottling it up, but also he does that too so you know <laughs> um yeah so some of those things about initially 
but but rewatching the show now, I'm just like I'm just waiting for it to get going, and I know that like whatever he's like now is kind of like a weird shadow of his true character. Um, you know, he never really stops being this sort of guy, but you know, he is he is Joe Pesci to the end, I guess is the thing. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, he's. Uh... I wish I could say that about myself. Yeah, I think. I think that his this this first appearance, even though he is very blunt and open about his feelings, it's a good like bit of foreshadowing for where his character does go. Because a lot of the things he's saying about Renamon are very baseless assumptions, and once you once it becomes clear that he's like literally just projecting his yep. own insecurities and frustrations onto her, it makes that first interaction a lot more, I guess, retroactively interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like I know where this is going, so I'm like. Okay, it makes total sense why he's saying that. Whereas originally, he just probably came across as like really needlessly antagonistic, which it, which I can't stand. That like, I know that especially for like shows aimed at younger audiences, you need a villain that is like very clear cut, and and I don't need all my villains to be sympathetic. Like I, I I'm I'm perfectly happy to have just a complete raging asshole that like needs to be stopped for the greater good or whatever. I think that's that's a fine thing to have. But when you have a character who is like just or necessarily rude or mean or whatever. Not so much in what they're doing, but in like you know how they present themselves and how they interact with other characters. That stuff can become very aggravating unless there's like a purpose to it or a reason behind it. Um, so that's kind of I think that's where I was not expecting this character to be anything but that because it's got because of the nature of the show and and the and what it does with Impmon is very. <laughs> I don't mean this. You know, people use this and it makes it sound like it's something like mind-blowing or next level or whatever but i don't really mean it like that but it is it is subversive of that sort of trope of like the the, the rude guy <laughs> the, the rude boy yeah. uh, character in, like, in the children's I, I, I do like that he's even in this first encounter he's not taken seriously like he's he's truly like an annoying brat who just like shows up to cause problems yeah that's and the thing as well purpose. So he's not a threat which i think adds yeah, to it I think like he's just pathetic it's such a smart idea yeah to like have right out the gate like he tries to attack Renamon and it doesn't even phase her like she just kind of goes like ow like like, like she got hit by a rock or something <laughs> it's just, it's just the scene where like um uh... <laughs> the rock goes the rocket goku <laughs> <laughs> except it's not that cuz he has a bigger reaction than Renamon does here um i yeah so Anyway, that was my feelings about Impmon originally, but I, I um, yes, I'm really excited to see where this goes, or, or you know, to see the parts I'm looking forward to, you know, with with, with Impmon, because there's some really, there's some real like holy shit moments with him later on that like I would, I definitely would never have seen coming like for a million years. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's it's Just so exciting, good, exciting character to revisit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, like I, I actually transcribed Impmon's little monologue to Renamon in both languages, and it really highlights how much the dub adds character and flavor in in the season, especially because like, sure, oh, really, yeah, his little what, like, what was it? His little euphemisms and like colloquialisms really like I think add to his his personality and demeanor a lot. Yes, absolutely. Like in the Japanese version, he just says like when I uh, when I look at someone as pathetic as you, it pisses me off. And in the dub, he goes, "Look at you out here all alone, moping around them, not like a puppy who chewed up a slipper and got tossed out of the house." He sounds like the, 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 you quoting the Japanese version of that. He sounds like a, like a JoJo character. He's, he sounds like Jotaro or someone like that. Like 
like, you know, be pissing me off, but looking at, like looking sad or whatever. Um, he's, yeah, he said he says pissing or like pissing me off or pissed off a lot in the Japanese version. At least the subs I was using. Um, no, like, but the edgy he's subs. Like, <laughs> yeah, like he says when I look at something pathetic, it pisses me off. Doesn't it piss you off too? Uh, do you know what it means to when I say it pisses me off? It means I feel nasty. That it annoys me. It makes me want to puke. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like which isn't a million. It's not a million years from like how what the dub sounds like. Sorry, what the dub sounds like either. But yeah, he's he's very. Uh... But it's it's just like, I think it's just it just feels a lot more like. I guess it feels a lot more like generic, like yeah, nothing personnel kid versus the the dub, which <laughs> yeah. is like he he sounds like a mobster. Like he sounds like a Joe Pesci character. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's very much in the sort of book school mo- uh, mode for right now, but like. Without the comedy, well, there is comedy to it, but like not in the like the slapstick comedy. Well, there is some slapstick. Oh, okay, you know what I'm sort of saying, right? Yeah. He just comes. He comes across as like a sadder yeah. version of that kind of trope um, of the the Jesse. Yeah. And I, I love his parting line too. And in the sub, the line that he leaves with is, "Living like a pet to a human is stupid. There's no point, no point, no point at all." And in the, in the dub, he says, "Take it from me, Toots. Got to quit being stupid to be free." <laughs> Something, something, so-called free thinkers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine now, because um, I've just got to thinking, and like, he reminds me a lot of Meowth from the from the Pokemon anime. Like, yeah, he's but in... a little sassier, I feel like, and like a little bit more of an edge. Yeah, well, he, he's more of a downer, that's for sure. Like, Meowth is is very like Meowth isn't taken seriously either, but like, he's got a bit more of like a he's more happy to go him. lucky. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. he's kind of like. The, the the they're kind of like a yin and yang sort of thing of like the you know, two sides of the same coin sort of thing. I'm trying to imagine now like what Mon will be like with like um Maddie Blaustein or or whoever whoever voices me off now um with their voice because I feel like it wouldn't have been a million million miles or <laughs> I feel like it probably would have worked really well <laughs> like with that with the meow voice but just everything else is exactly the same <laughs> which is a weird thing to think about. Uh, any other Digimon character you tried to do that with, I feel like it would be a disaster. Like, uh, like replacing Takato with Ash's voice or something like that. That would be oh, just God. horrible. Yeah, Ash's voice was 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 like she got in some kind of controversy lately, didn't she? Oh, did she? Oh no. Uh, oh yeah, I think I think I saw something about uh, like like her, current, her new like seven and Yeah. Oh, okay. oh, thank God. Veronica Taylor's still cool, yeah, yeah, and, and she okay. never, she never should have been taken off the show, um, especially because she's she's still working now for God's sake. Um, yeah, the uh, yeah the the new the the, the quote unquote new one. Uh, she's been doing it for like sixteen years now. She uh, I think she was selling like, NFTs or some shit. She was involved in crypto or something like that. Like, oh that, no, I, I saw something like that on the timeline, and I was just like, well, okay, <laughs> like. I guess, I guess playing Ash Ketchum doesn't pay the way it probably should do. Um, or she's just, you know, a sucker. Or both. You know, it doesn't really matter. Don't do that shit. Don't do it. You know, don't get involved in crypto or NFTs or, you know, or you you, you suck. <laughs> I don't know where to go. I don't know where to Are go you a crypto slash NFT <laughs> user? Give us all your money and then uh, destroy all your computers <laughs> yes. right now. There we go. And then don't listen to the podcast. Yeah. Scrafty, did you did you hear anything else? Sorry, I feel like you had another layer to add to this. Or no, I I was I was looking for it now, but she pri- she wisely privated her Twitter, so I can't find any of the stuff people are li- are linking. 
Uh, okay. Well, I'm sure. I'm so sure. We'll, Google... we'll just say that she she did something. So they something that got her in hot water enough that she privated her Twitter. So that that should speak for itself, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing she sold it. She started selling an NFT or whatever. Everyone quickly ratioed the fuck out of her, and then she's she's privated. Like I feel like that that is the story of like so many people over the last you know year or so. No, no not year or so. Like the last three months or so. Like two weeks. It's just been a mess. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably hasn't even been that long. It's just been a mess of just like so many people just outing themselves as villains, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, so yeah, bad times. Bad times. Um, where were we going? <laughs> I lost track of. I lost track of where the conversation came from. Bada boom. Yeah, there we go. Replacing all of the times Amon says bada boom with gabagool. Gabagool. <laughs> Gabagool! Boom! Can we, can, we just, can we just get someone who's really good at, like, editing to, to edit Mon into the Sopranos opening? Woke up this morning, got some Gabagool. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yes. uh, going on to something Mon... else, can I just say, I... Sorry, uh, go ahead. No, don't matter. Carry on. Okay. Uh, so, sorry again. Um, I really love the way Dokugumon is drawn here. Like, the shading they use... Makes it look yeah. so much like more dangerous and villainous than so like creepy. it ever I has wish, before. I wish they would stop using this thing. I hate I hate looking at it. I know, me too. <laughs> also, this is the second time a Digimon has get down Mr. Presidented their for their partner against the Dokugumon. Yeah, you're right. Oh my god. What was the first one? I can't uh, Yoli and um Hawkmon. Oh, remember she 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 goes into the big ditch where the base was, and then Dokugumon does the so. thing, and then Hawkmon says, "Get down, Madam President." Right. Okay. Sorry, it's been so long. Um, what well, has it Sorry. rhymes? Every stanza has a has another stanza. <laughs> um, I uh, well, Dokugumon is I don't know. Dokugumon comes across as very threatening. Like spiders are a good villain monster design, you know. It, it works. I think it works. Um, yeah, it just seems more villainous than like normal. I feel like like this, like the shading and like the the poses, like when it, like it, it leaps to bite Renamon, like that's a scary face. I was like, this is kind of like freaky. Like, why would you there, like? Jeez. Yeah. There were a few. There were a few like touches to these. Well, last episode, the the uh, uh, the uh, a cheetah no Joe. And I hope I'm saying that right. Um, a sequence had like some interesting uh, hard outlines on 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 Kazu as he was doing like something in the in the dream sequence, like which I thought was an interesting deviation because we don't we haven't seen a lot of like playfulness with the art style in this show so far, like beyond stuff like CG sequences and and that which I'm not really counting. Like for the most part, it's been very much the same throughout. Whereas in the, yeah, you have the Kazu bit in the last episode which had some interesting visual flair and then yeah the the, the kugamon stuff in this episode is you have you have some similar bits like that and it's it's cool to see like i'm glad they're you know experimenting and going off model a bit more and, and those sorts of things because that's always it just makes for a more interesting show to watch and yeah, yeah this yeah, whole sure. sequence where like he's just the kugamon's just wrapped webs everywhere within the within the digital field and all over the trees and so on is 
very threatening. Yeah, <laughs> put it that way. I, like, I love the. It's, uh, it's definitely definitely the, 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 all the digital field scenes are so cool. Like they they use like a very dreamlike like, color palette, like pink backgrounds and like more saturated colors and like the mist everywhere. Yeah. Like if if you know what it reminds me of. No. Well, God, what was it called? Um, it reminds me of that. Um, that like dream world from the Mother series. The, the oh, Magicant. Uh, Magicant. Yeah. Magicant. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Thank you, Smash Bros. Now that you say it, like I kind of get that vibe. Yeah. It's it, it's it's like I think it's a fun concept as well. Like the notion of the digital field as like a thing to where you it's essentially like the the when the when you do when you get the random battle in the JRPG and like you know you you're suddenly in the, just a <laughs> random area. Like it's very much that sort of vibe of of just like we're in a battle arena now. Um, and it's a nice bit of convenience for the show, especially considering it's primarily, at least so far, set in the real world. Um, so yeah, some nice, some nice convenience there. I like that, and I think, uh, yeah, I think it suits Renamon as well as like a, an enemy to fight. Like it's funny you mentioned the get down, Mister President, because I feel like Renamon's the only Digimon of the main three that could do that. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I can't imagine physically Gil. capable of doing that. No, I mean Terriermon could do that, but would he? Would he? I don't think he could. I think he. I think he would stand there and spread his ears out, and the blow would just go above him and hit Henry. Still, he would. He would like. He would like headbutt, like cannonball himself into Henry and like knock him away, and then and then that's maybe what he he could do. Yeah, it's like in the, it's like an Always Sunny when in order to save Mac from a falling piano, Charlie just drop kicks him. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that one. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, that makes total sense. <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah, I lost a train of thought there. Um, I thought it was really weird at the end when, like, Rika still doesn't really get what's going on. Like, hasn't she... <sighs> this is one of the... Actually, this might be the first moment where I'm thinking about, like, the notion that the, sh- the characters have seen the anime and, like, how they should probably react to things with this knowledge imparted to them ostensibly by the anime. And then I remember that, no, wait, no, that's a dub invention. Yeah. But but it kind of has a contrast here because, like, Rika, going by the dub, you know, lore or whatever, Rika should have seen the anime and she should have probably caught on by now that, like, Digivolution happens when the bonds between the tamer uh, and, the, and, the, and their partner Digimon are, you know, tight. Like I feel like she should know that <laughs> she's deep enough into this shit to like know these things. Yeah, but, the but, yeah. line that that happens uh, is so funny. Like I started busting up because uh, Kimon says I couldn't digivolve until you really cared about me, Rika, and Rika just says or starts it off with O, oh. and that's just the funniest thing for some reason. It's like it's funny, but there's also like a, a tinge of tragedy that we're like they we went through all that and she almost died and she still learned nothing from it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Like she's so stubborn and like emotionally damaged that she like this lesson that any other protagonist from any other season would have learned right away takes her several episodes to like kind of drill into her skull because just because like you know that's the kind of person she is like she's too set in her ways for one single experience to change her. Yeah, like the the incident with Gargamon in the parking in in the parking. Whatever, I can't figure it So I got caught up then because it was like, wait, hold on, what, what's, what's a recognizable phrase across all three countries that we're in? Parking structure. <laughs> um, <laughs> the the area where you park your car. 
Um, the car park. I'm just going to call it that. Whatever. Um, the the car park where like Gargamon almost kills her, essentially. Um, like she seemed terrified by the end of that, but then that experience seems to have like that thing seems to have blown over. Like she's had a few sleeps and then she's back to she's back to normal now. She's fine. Um, which to me feels a bit odd because because that's that felt like such a like like um i can't forget the phrase but like it it, it brought her it should it should have made her realize how real this actually is at least in terms of the danger but then at the beginning of this episode she's like fighting a gigantic dinosaur in the middle of the street and she's just like pretty chill about it and mostly just annoyed that renamon is getting her ass kicked um <laughs> so that's a bit strange there's a bit of character reset there i feel like but uh you know she does go back to that situation in this at the end of this episode and goes further than she did last time so i guess that i guess i can't complain in that notion but yeah her, her fighting the tyrannosaur at the beginning the alomon um i feel like maybe they should have gone with like a smaller digimon because i just don't buy that she wouldn't have become somewhat nerved by that experience of almost getting killed by a giant dinosaur in the middle of the street like do you see do you see where i'm coming from with, with that yeah but i feel like she doesn't care that much just in general like she's just so like what like it's just such like a game to her <laughs> it feels like that she's just like whatever yeah it's also like, Al- alamon's just an armor level so he's like barely a step above rookie yeah okay fair enough I don't know, that's just how I see it. She just feels so, like, nonchalant that, like, unless she's directly put in danger, she just yeah, doesn't it, really care. If she was nonchalant up until now, then I'd be like, I wouldn't even mention it, probably. And then, But then, this is the, she had that experience with going to Gargamon, I'm just thinking, like... Yeah. Uh, hang on. I feel like her outlook should have shifted a bit more. It doesn't matter at the end of the day, because, like, by the end of this episode, her outlook has, complete, has, has fully... It has definitely shifted from one point to another, if if not. Yeah. Although, you know, it hasn't entirely gone all the way to her being, like, you know, friends of the Digimon or whatever. But, like, it's, it's you know, she's get she's moving on. She's progressed as a character, which... And it takes it takes an episode to, like, focus on Rika and, you know, spend that time with her in order to do that, which I appreciate uh, at, at any rate. Um, I like to, I liked to get to see her family as well. And, like, her... Her life outside of being the Digimon Queen um, and, yeah. and working Digimon because um, she needed that. I think I think this was this was the point where you kind of had to had to do that. You couldn't just keep the mystery <laughs> uh, going. Yeah, it, it explains a lot very quickly, like without having to exposit. Just like the fact that you know her, yeah. her mom's kind of a deadbeat, just kind of drops in, in and out of her life. Um, whenever you know never duty calls, so to speak. Um, she has a much better relationship with her grandma than her mom. Her dad's not in her life at all. Like, yeah, you get a good sense of why she is the way she is in this episode. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, she's like that. It's... The school scene is very is very gently done, which I which I again I like. I like when I like that the show has subtlety in it, <laughs> um, and you know, having her at the at the rich girl's school and. You know, she's got to wear a uniform, and she's basically in the school from School of Rock. Uh, but she doesn't have Jack Black as a teacher, so it's just really depressing. Um, she doesn't get to be the manager. I, wanna, I, wanna I just... had Jack Black as a teacher. I want to see anime John Cusack. <laughs> I want to see anime. I'm here. I want to see, 
and I mean Mike White, like <laughs> or whoever the <laughs> Yeah, that'd be that'd be great. You know, this is a weird esoteric fact, but um, in 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 School of Rock, you know, you know the dude um, who replaces Jack Black in his original band, like the reason he goes into substituting in the first place. Oh yeah, they're like the yeah. sort of hot metal dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know yeah, that that dude's a freaking Republican Attorney General now. Ugh. Oh, I think I read about that. You're right. Oh, that's... Imagine, imagine being sentenced to death by the guy from School of Rock. <laughs> yeah. That sucks. Why did he? Okay, yeah, yeah that's that that's that's extra depressing, especially with the news about what happened to uh, Freddy recently, which was really rough to rough to oh, see. Oh yeah, least. I heard about that. That's 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 yeah. messed up. Yeah, that really sucks. Um, he passed away. He was in a car accident. In case you didn't know, so. um, I wouldn't I wouldn't linger on that point too long. Um, but yeah, no, that oh, that really sucks. Why do people like? I mean, actually, sorry, I was going to say, like, why did he have to clean up like that? But to be fair, he was an actor, probably. Like, he probably didn't yeah, actually, uh, actually be like that most of the time, so... Apparently his his dad was also, like, a Republican lawyer, so he probably was just following in daddy's footsteps after the acting well dried up. Boo! And this is why we watch, uh, we only watch 2D media, rather than, because uh, free, free, 3D will always disappoint you, and uh, that's... I mean, you you the say that the savers school is coming Rewatch experience. <laughs> I'd do that if we want to do an April Fool's episode next year, and we just watch School of Rock. I'd be, I'd, Look, yeah, I'd be okay. <laughs> so my fun fact was, I don't know if I told you about this, but I really wanted to joke uh, when we did our when we record our episode or April first by like making a Metabots joke. But then I was like, no, I'll get too deep into Metabots again, and I can't afford that. I would I would be into watching some Metabots at some point, but like, yeah, I feel like that's not an April Fool's thing because that's a whole. That's just a thing we will maybe, do one day. Yeah, maybe we we'll just do that as like a bonus or something. Also, this episode uh, episode title is School of Rika. There you go. School of Rika. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's no, really good. Honestly, there's so many good. There's so many good title cards um, that I, I could have used this episode. Like, we 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 could use Kalawan playing <laughs> soccer. We could use. Um, Impmon doing this bada boom. We can use um, <laughs> the Ashtono Joe cross counter. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The Calamon episode alone has like most of them. Um, yeah, there's some good stuff. Um, Kalu the Rocket Mon. There we go. Also, like, like Rika's house is huge. Like, it's it's really yeah. it's huge. It reminds yeah. me of the Jinouchi Mansion from uh, Summer Wars. Yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 remind, it reminds me of the, a few things. It reminds me of that. It reminds me of like the senator's place from uh, AI: The Somnium Files, because uh, that's like in a city as well. I feel like so it's it's more similar, I suppose. Like it's more like that's an inner city, yet it's still this like old fashioned. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if senator's the right word, by the way. I think it's like parliament guy, whatever. Um, and then also the. Um, Holly and Jutero's <laughs> place from from Stardust Crusaders. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's true. Because that well. yeah, Jotaro's dad was like a famous musician, right? I guess it makes sense that they're pretty yeah, loaded. The JoJo's like in between JoJo's. Yeah, they, they. I don't really know much about them. <laughs> I feel like then they're just. Is that a JoJo's reference? Times, considering the number of times that Jotaro has to be bailed out of prison, I guess he would have to be pretty loaded. <laughs> True, that's right, yeah. Oh, we just, I don't know. Do y'all want some Do you want some, uh, some, some voice actors facts for uh, Rika's family? Sure. Do it. 
So uh, Rika's mother, Rumiko, is uh, voiced by Mary Elizabeth McLynn. Oh, nice. She also uh, so, was the voice director uh, for this season. Oh, she was? Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Steve Bloom's uh, future wife. Oh, shit. Oh, right. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if they met She'll on the show. She'll also do some voices in, in, in later seasons, too, so... Because, like, her and Steve basically feel like they're the... They're, like, the figureheads of this series. Like, the, the dub, the dub of course. The dub of the series. Yeah. Because, like, if you watch... If you look at the opening credits to, like, each episode, it's usually either one of their names responsible for, like... Yeah. ...the writing or, or what have you, or some element of production, like... So, you know... Yeah, I wonder if they met on the show. That would be interesting, because, like, I don't know her body of work, but honestly, I feel like this is maybe Steve Bloom's, like, finest hour. <laughs> and that's really saying something. <laughs> um, yeah. Huh. Yeah, Mary Elizabeth lends one of those voices that, like, you've definitely heard, if you've heard any English dubs, like, for games or um, anime. Yeah. She, she voices current Nina Williams in Tekken. Ah. So yeah, she's she's been around the block, and then we have for uh, Rika's grandmother Seiko Hata uh, Barbara Goodson, who we will remember from the last two series as Nancy Takaishi. Oh yeah. Wait, who? Who's Nancy? Uh, Nancy Takaishi, uh, TK and Matt's mom. Oh right, okay. Right, I see. Tom, have you seen have you seen uh, Steven Universe before, Tom? Uh, some of it, only some of it. Did, did you did you see any episodes with Connie's mom in it? Uh, I, I remember seeing Connie, but I don't know about her mom. Okay, because yeah, Mary Mary Elizabeth then voiced voiced her mom. Oh, fair enough. Okay, right. Um, I feel like she did not meet Steve Bloom. Yes, no, no. She 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 only married Steve Bloom in twenty eighteen. Oh, after twenty eighteen. Yeah, so I feel like recently. Maybe recently. They, Maybe they met on that show, but like it was obviously a long ass time before they actually got married. Okay, it, it, uh, it was it was the very like far far off like prologue meet cute for for the rom com. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah I'm exactly. pretty sure they've been professional associates for a while before that. I know they worked on Cabo Bebop together as well. Oh yeah, no, yeah, I can see that. And she was Julia, right? Okay, um, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, still there. Cool. Um... Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Oh, she was also she was also Maria. She was Maria in Silent Hill too. That's another one that you probably know. <gasps> oh, 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 that's right. That's a that's an important one. Yeah, shit. Yeah. There's also an interesting um very bit of trivia in terms of Rika's family, which uh, I don't know if this character is voiced at all, but apparently they are according to the uh, to the wiki. Uh, Rika's father is Stephen J. Bloom. Yeah, he only appears in the second movie. Oh, he does? Okay. Uh, so, spoilers, we're going to see Rika's father eventually. I think it's in a dream uh, sequence, yeah. though, but I don't think we really see him. <laughs> okay, so we'll sort of... But I, I find that funny that they are now married, and they played a divorced couple in Digimon Tamers. It's it's also uh, worth noting that um, it's confirmed in the sub of this episode that Rika's mom is only 28. She's a baddie. Huh. I just got, we, just got to, we just got to be real about that. Yes, she got teen pregnant with Rika, and that kind of explains a lot about their relationship dynamic, I guess. He's saying I have a chance. Is that what you're saying? I have a chance. I have a yeah. chance. 
I don't have same a chance. Age. Let's be just real. That, that, just, just, just to clear that up. <laughs> same age is what I'm saying. But yes, also, yeah, of course not. <laughs> uh, I'm really confused. I'm looking at um. Oh, I see. Right, she also voiced the uh the guitar boss lady in Nick Rifle. Oh yeah, and, and Nivan. Nivan, maybe yeah, yeah. Um, I was looking up the name and I thought, wait, hang on, is that the like, is that like the creepy weird dude who looks half dead and turns into the final boss? And I was like. That'd be interesting, <laughs> interesting casting, but no, I guess not. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm I'm just falling out of wiki. I'm gonna close this wiki because oh shit, she voices um close that vo- wiki. Sorry, I mean this is this is the last one, but she voices uh Dahlia Margolis in Hitman in like the Paris the Paris level of Hitman. Have you have you have you, have you played Hitman? Please say yes. I've not oh, played yeah. Hitman. 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 Um, yeah, she voices uh, like the second target who like runs the auction in in the Paris level, um, who I've murdered countless times. <laughs> so I'm very familiar <laughs> with like her voice and her performance, which is very good. But honestly, That's not a very girl boss of you, Tom. <laughs> a lot of the a lot of the Hitman voices are like they feel like they're as far apart from like the kind of folks you see doing anime productions and stuff as much as possible. Like they feel like theater trained people or whatever. I don't know why. So hearing like oh this person who was in digimon is is okay on the targets in hitman is uh fun anyway sorry that's the last thing i'll say about that um yeah okay yeah we fell down a, we fell down a hole there no oh and by we i mean me <laughs> the royal we yeah the is the scene where the where rika meets renamon for the first time is nightmarish like yeah, I mean, like, that is just... where did Skullmarmon get the hat from? <laughs> I'm thinking, well, there's that, but then also, like, why is it just the ring? Like, why is why is Renamon basically Sadako? Uh, or Sadako, probably Yeah, so. it's really, like, unsettling. And even, even, um, even Renamon, she's like, so you want to be, like, a powerful tamer? And I'm like, well, like, okay, Renamon, like, you can cool it a little <laughs> bit. Like, you don't have yeah, exactly. to... At first, I was thinking it'd be something like all these Digimon showing up because, like, Rika's been just murdering Digimon left and right, like, as part of the game or whatever. And, and like, they're they're just like, we need to we need to kill this girl. <laughs> we need to we need to kill this girl before she kills us. Um, I'm I'm really glad I didn't go that way because that would have been even more <laughs> even more uh, terrifying. Um, yeah, I don't is that insane to anyone else or is that just <laughs> is that perfectly understandable? No, it's pretty no, understandable, I, you, yeah. I feel like. Okay. I don't think I have much more to say on this episode, though. I already got my Impmon gushing out, so we can move on to the last one whenever you're ready. So, Tom, you want to uh, you want to cover this last episode for us, then? Yeah, absolutely. Sure do. Um, so, this is episode 7. Uh, now you see it, now you don't, is the episode title. Um, can just stop. Apparently, there was a episode of Digimon Frontier with the exact same name so um, that's <laughs> very strange. Um, I'm guessing it won't be as good as this one. Um, okay, so this episode is kind of picking up where like things left off from last time with Rika very aware of you know, just sort of figuring out the why Renamon was able, able to Digivolve from Cubimon and just trying to come to grips with that a bit more. Meanwhile, we kind of come back to Hypnos who we haven't seen in a little bit. Yamaki's got some crazy scheme he's planning and and he's setting up some sort of he, he's got some experiment he's planning he's, he's, he's obviously you know 
scheming and up to no good and even his assistants are kind of wary of the whole ordeal we see the sort of effects of his experimenting when Takato, who is walking through the park with Gilmon, notices Gilmon's like back half is weirdly like not quite not quite disappearing fully, but it's like it's like fizzling, it's like fizzing out like a like a bad TV signal or something like that. Yeah, well, like when you pause a, a VHS tape and it's just yeah. kind of like flickering. Exactly. It's like yeah. when you're so- trying to send Cory to the dark ocean. He <laughs> also also kind of like that, yeah. So he's understandably freaked out by that, and like pulls Gilman like get out of there, uh, and and you know kind of saves him from that. Gilman's not sh- quite sure how how just happened. So he goes to explain it to Henry, and Henry's like naturally very confused about this as well, but he doesn't really understand it. So Takato goes to see Rika, and if she might be able to give him any answers whatsoever, Rika's a little more accommodating of of this of this kid and she can't but she still kind of you know choose him out for just generally being very clueless and continuing to talk about seeing her in a dreamy ad which she finds very creepy and she's right to tell him so <laughs> um you know for all her <laughs> all her confrontation on this this is completely warranted which takato accepts but he's also you know very clear that like he's not interested in her in that way he just needs to know what she knows about digimon and you know she's not really sure what what she what he's talking about either so no real resolution there but so basically you know fast forward a bit ends up being in the, ends up coming to the same point in the park where i think it's the park it might just be on on the just a part in town near the park but regardless it ends up coming back to that same part where gilmon was fizzing out before and it starts happening again this time gilmon notices it and is very aware of the fact that you know part of him is starting not to exist and then gilmon just sort of vanishes and Takato who has been talking to Gilmon before this about like, you know, not wanting to lose Gilmon, and he's been kind of asking about the nature of Digimon, like how long they live, you know, if they age, if they die, if they, you know, if they ever need to go back to the digital world or anything like that. You know, he's very upset and doesn't think he'll see him again, but he then picks up Gilmon's signal on his Digivice and is like, oh, okay, that's strange. So he goes to gather He's, uh, you know, goes to gather Henry and Terrymon, and and he also asks to see Rika and Renamon, and they make their way down to the point, and the other two Digimon are, like, poking their limbs and stuff into the vicinity, I suppose, like, the area that this weird fuzzy mess covers, I don't know what to explain it, but they're a bit more, like, you know, careful, but also like, hey, this is happening to us too. So they kind of back off and let, let let the kids go in to have a look and Rika doesn't go in at first but she quickly follows them in just to, you know, she has a change of heart I guess. They're kind of bickering their way down this tunnel and they're wondering, you know are we going to find Gilman at the end or is it just going to be a big big waste of time it's not, it turns out it's not a waste of time they find like a weird void <laughs> at the end of this tunnel that they can walk into and they suddenly find themselves floating in like this digital void and they're very confused about the whole thing it turns out this is what hypnos and gamaki have been up to like they're they're trying to basically delete a portion of the of the world essentially and all the data in it i feel that's the best way i can describe think to describe it right now and the the aim no doubt being to delete any digimon that bio emerge so they find gilmon in there and then yamaki begins the deletion and they end up basically tearing gilmon out of the weird digital chains that this this device has placed around him 
and then Gilmore like it manages somehow to just build them a path home and you know they think they, they, the hypnotist thinks the experiment is a success because everything needs to be deleted and yeah but the kids escape and when Gilmore's back and everything's great so that's kind of where the episode ends unless I'm mistaken so yeah interesting one uh, the hypnos mystery developing further uh, and we get to you know we get to delve into Takato's relationship with Gilman a bit more which which is definitely going to be something we keep coming back to so uh, I quite enjoyed yeah. this one yeah oh same here this is, these are all anxieties we're going to get a lot more in depth on later introducing the idea that like Takato is petrified of losing Gilman this early in the series is such a good decision yeah it's very smart writing to set up, like to 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 bury these anxieties in the character's brain early on, so that later on when they resurface, it doesn't feel like they're coming out of nowhere. It feels like they're reestablishing things that were you know already proven to exist. One hundred percent. Like this is this is something that I said about um, Adventure Two is that I didn't do a lot of work early on to set up stuff that would be bottom later, and if it had done, it would have been a much better show. Again, this show understands that like. Hey, what if we actually you know, things are going to come back to later, like themes on that are going to be incredibly important later on, and we're going to go into way more, way more detail. What if we started talking about them like early doors, you know, as, as soon as possible? And uh, and it turns out that yes, that is helpful. That is a that is a good way to <laughs> that's a good way to tell your story. As it turns out, um, yeah, really, really, really good stuff. And uh, I, say, I say good. I mean, like it is generally like, um. You know, you feel for Takato. Like it's an emo- it pulls on the- it pulls on the heartstrings. I-, I would say. Yeah. So it's uh, it's sad it's sad to see him like that, and it's distraught. You know, it's distressing to see him like temporarily lose Gilman, even if he is kind of maybe too quickly able to realize. Oh wait, no, Gilman is still out there somewhere. We can go get him. <laughs> he has like he has like about five seconds of just being like, oh no, Gilman's gone, and then and then being like, oh. Uh, wait no, he's on. He's on the Digivice. Hold on, we can go get him. Um, so yeah, yeah. Like the, I, I, I like the 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 central conflict in this episode is very compelling because this isn't a threat they can beat up. Like this isn't something that you can just fight and and win against. Like it, yes, almost like it represents like a, an existential threat to them. And we will get a lot more into <laughs> the concept of existential threats later in the series. <laughs> um, yeah. and and like yeah, so like seeing that early is is so so cool. Like. We're seven episodes in, and we're not having Monster of the Week stuff. We're having, like, there is a cyberdome underneath the city that is deleting data. <laughs> like, it's 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 really cool. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. And also, it's, like, it's a mystery, which is nice. Like, there is mm-hmm. no... And, and, you know, it's not the kind of mystery that resort... Well, even back in Adventure, when you'd have an episode where it presented a sort of a mystery of sorts, even if it ended with, like, you know, oh, it's this, it's this week's Digimon or whatever, and we need to kick its ass or whatever. Like those were still fun episodes, just because they had a bit more going on than just like a fight or whatever, or like a sort of, you know, like a sometimes forced conflict or whatever. This, this all feels very natural because it's both like themed around a concern of the main character, uh, and also develops a part of the story which we haven't really touched on properly. If at all, really, so far. Hypn- Hypnos has been in the background and they've been lingering. This is their first episode where they factor into events, you know, so. Yeah, and this is the first episode where they feel like more of a menace. Like, you, you sort of see them as like a a villainous organization in a way because of the fact that what they're doing nearly erases Gilmon. Yeah, yeah. and can I, can I talk about one other thing in uh, Hypnos does in this episode as well? Yeah. 
So this this episode originally aired in, in the states on like September fourteenth or fifteenth, I think, right? Right. Yes. But it was obviously written months before that. What Yamaki discusses with his superior is basically the Patriot Act. Yeah, like I felt like, like that was pretty prophetic. Yeah, in terms of like, he, like his superior is like, but like, doesn't that like so? Yamaki says we're analyzing communications information so that we can make sure to cut off this threat, uh, this threat before it gets too serious. And then the superior is like, but well, doesn't that mean you have to, you know, monitor people's personal information and communications? Yamaki's like, well, of course, that's the only way we can keep people safe. Yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah, if the, if the public found out about this, we'd be the criminals. So keep this quiet. And it's like, like, wow. Like... And it's I also I I have to mention it's important to say this lot of those lines are only in the dub. Ooh. In in the sub, it's a bit different. Instead, um, Yamaki said, like, so he talks about how they're monitoring people's information, and his his boss is like, Isn't, is that ethical? And then sub Yamaki says, well, other countries are already doing this. Japan's falling behind. We're not going to be number one in personal safety if we don't, you know, try to catch up. <laughs> that's a very different, like, set of... That's a very different bit of political commentary, I feel like, which, yeah. which, is, which is great, because I feel like, yeah, the, the, that... that that sense of like anxiety or whatever about Japan's place in the world versus other first world countries and so on. I feel like that's a theme that I see a lot in in other you know Japanese media. Yeah, um, and it can be it can be a difficult tightrope to walk because a lot of media kind of uses it to make veiled like pro imperialism propaganda, like oh we're falling yeah. behind, we need to get you know return to our f- former glory or whatever. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. But when it's the when it's the villains who are saying it, I feel like it's less of a you know <laughs> fascist propaganda and more of a just like we are showing that this is explicitly a bad thing, and they're the fact that they're using other countries as inspiration means that it's not just Japan that's bad; it's a lot of countries that are bad. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of villains, I feel like this is like up until now they've just come across as like sinister or whatever, but like you don't really know what their deal is. This is the first episode which point blank states that like. Both through their actions and through like the attitude of Yumaki, um, you know, it's very clear that they're villains. Like, if this is the episode that sort of says, "Yep, they're villains." Like, if, if you needed it spelling out, you have Yumaki here, who is, you know, outright, you know, saying, "Damn the rules! Screw the rules! I have uh, a gigantic, you know, <laughs> communications thingy." Digital. I have government clearance. <laughs> I have, yeah, I have government clearance. I have a Digimon killing machine. Let's do this. It's it's so funny. Um, that we, we we later find out that um, Riley and Yamaki are dating, like they're the girlfriend and the boyfriend. So the fact oh, he threatens her in this episode with like you're on very thin ice, so you better do what I say, otherwise the ice is gonna break and you'll find yourself drowning is really funny. Like that's a really awful thing to say to your girlfriend, even if she's also your your underling. They go back home that night. She just goes straight to bed. He's just like, huh? I wonder if something's <laughs> wrong. <laughs> it's like better do what I say or. I'm going to go live with my mum for a bit. <laughs> I'm taking the dog. <laughs> um, uh, I'm, 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 I'm changing my Netflix password. Or or, you know, <laughs> oh, no. Or Blockbuster so account is, or whatever. Is, <laughs> this, is, this is also the first time that we see um, the program that um, Hypnos, which is their organization, has been working on. Uh, it's called Ugoth. Are either of you familiar with the origins of, of the, the name Ugoth? I mean, I know it's Lovecraftian, but I don't it know much beyond that. Oh, that one. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know it's... Yeah, what Sloan said. 
Yeah, so obviously Chiaki Kanaka adores the Lovecraft mythos. Like, he put Dagon in his one episode of Zero Two. The ultimate enemy of this season is extremely Lovecraftian. Um, but Yugoth feels like it's a very esoteric reference because in um, Lovecraft's cosmic lore, Yugoth is a planet that exists on the far edge of the universe, which um, all beings beyond human comprehension are banished to. So, oh, that's good. Na- naming a program that's designed to delete, you know, ferocious monsters uh, after that is is a really cool bit of uh, like literary allusion to me. Yeah, interesting. I know there's one that we're going to see coming up, but I didn't realize that uh, they were different. I guess I forgot that this was more like uh, more laid out in terms of the the relation. Hmm. I I think it's good that he just tr- straight up put, you know, Dagon slash Cthulhu slash whatever. Like, he just straight up put that in Adventure 2 and have it go nowhere. So that in this series, the Cthulhu, the Lovecraft references and that could be, like, way more subtle. Because <laughs> yeah. like it really it works a lot nicer when that's just sort of background and it's not like, oh, they're fighting, you know, they're fighting Lovecraft monsters. Okay, then. Um, yeah, like, I, I prefer that <laughs> but um but yeah that's a neat that's a neat thing i don't think i quite picked up on in uh in previous watches so yeah there's there's a lot of intentionality behind this like if there's a if there's a, a name or like a proper noun in tamers you can always guarantee it's some sort of um literary reference of some sort because chucky kanaka is extremely well read yeah <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, where does he work out the library <laughs> Damn it, Sloan. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, um, what was I going to say? How, how did you feel about the uh, the Rika and Takato scene, like where he goes to pay her a visit? Because I, really... I thought that was very funny. It's great. Yeah, I, I really he's enjoyed just, that. He's, yeah. he's, he's become the where's my hug guy. He's like, where's my hug? Oh, like, no. And then she's just like, leave me alone. No, he's so, just It's a little like... there. I mean, uh, I don't know. Like, it's a, it's a little, it's a little bit, a little bit. This kind of has more like this. This kind of has more like when like Goku and Vegeta start hanging out more casually after they've both murdered each other on several occasions. Like, I don't know. It kind of has that vibe of like the the the, the two characters who were sparring, realizing they're not actually quite as bad as one another fought previously, but one of them is is clearly way more antagonistic still and isn't afraid yeah. to show it. There, there's a great moment uh, in the sub where um, like Takato calls uh, Rika slash Ruki uh, Ruki-chan because like he's, he's, right. he's trying to be nice to her and she gets like very upset at that and tells him not to call her that ever again and then as she's leaving as he's leaving she like does like the kick motion and she straight up says if you call me Ruki-chan ever again I'm gonna kick your ass. <laughs> That's awesome. I... I... I love her antagonism where she's like, you in love with me, lover boy? And even Takato's like, I can't fight her. I would lose in an instant. Like, <laughs> I I respect him so much for admitting that. <laughs> like, he'd just be like, no, you would you would, you would, would definitely own me uh, in, a, in a, like, an actual fight as well as a Digimon fight. Like, you know, but, you know, I, I've got to say, you know, he knows his limits. He knows, you know, he knows what he's good at, and uh, and that isn't it. So, <laughs> and also recognizes that Rika would probably like be the kind of person to like try and gouge people's eyes or whatever when she's fighting. Like she she definitely she definitely has a uh, has a violent streak. 
as as we know already. So um, yeah, I'm glad it's not stupid. <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed it because it feels it feels like their relationship is developing already. Like it's a different interaction to anything that they've had previously. And I always like when they. I always like when these kinds of, sh- especially these kinds of shows, like don't skip forward to the point where they're like BFFs. Um, there isn't like some sudden like turn where like they're fine, you know, she's finally going to stop snipping at him all the time or whatever. Like she clearly doesn't respect him still, but she knows better than to just, you know, walk away from it. Like she clearly knows that Takato is someone of interest at the very least. And, uh, yeah. And, you know, it's just, and just generally, she's clearly starting to become more compassionate in general. So, you know, it makes sense that she would have more time for this otherwise completely useless kid. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's nice. Yeah. It's enjoy. It's, it's, it's fun. Yeah. yeah I, I, I think it's great. I like that the, this is how the dynamic starts out. Cause I don't, I don't think there has been up to this point any dynamics that are similar to this, like a character who's just openly hostile to the others? <laughs> kind of, yeah, I suppose not. Not in Digimon, anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not I can think of. Uh, I suppose the closest would be, like, Gatamon, but that was resolved fairly quickly as well, so... Yeah. Uh, and she was way more just, like, a straight-up villain. Like, well, I suppose Rika had scraps with them as well, so... Again, maybe, maybe Ken, like when he's like a not like they think he's like an anti-hero type of deal, but like also that's resolved very quickly. Yeah, that that's that, yeah. He's never like hostile to them. He's just kind of trying to do. Yeah, his he's own. not. He's just more of like standoffish. He's like, I I work alone. He just basically runs away whenever that whenever they like, you know, try to talk to him at first. So it's yeah, it's very different. Like he is he is the villain. Then he's a then he's a sobbing mess, and then he's slowly but surely one of the one of the crew. Um, whereas Rika is like very reluctant to be part of the crew, but also recognizes that like, and like well, the thing in this episode that makes her like you know follow them into the tunnel, like that is basically her just being aware of the fact that she'd do the same thing if Renamon was in that situation. Is that that's that's basically what it comes down to, right? Yeah, like even even by the end of this episode, I wouldn't even say she's part of the group yet. Like they aren't the fully formed no. trio yet. Like she's still just sort of like I'm, like uh, later whatever. Okay, you go hug your dinosaur. I'm gonna go uh, punch monsters type of thing. <laughs> but that's fine. Like I think I think it's fine for like them to be a group in the moment and then otherwise. Oh, totally. I love I love fairly, that fairly separate. Like I think I think Takato and Henry. I think by this point they're just clearly friends because you know they they keep hanging out with one another like not just to discuss Digimon stuff and we've seen Takato hang out with like Kazu and Kenta like for about two minutes <laughs> since since like the stuff with Gilmon really started kicking off so yeah yeah it, it they're they're pretty they're pretty uh, tired at this point but yeah Rik is not Rik is very detached still but it's fun to see her sort of make her first appearance as one of the one of the one of the lords or whatever <laughs> so uh, uh that was fun i also appreciated you know what upset me in this episode uh no what upset you in in the dub takato is so mean to jerry yeah oh yeah jerry he caught he caught, wait was this oh to jerry wait no what what, what happens what happens again he, Remind so me. He, he, he she hears him whispering to to himself 
and like kind of like pokes gentle fun at him. Um, and then he says, "Oh wow, now Jerry thinks I'm crazy, which sucks because she's even crazier than Calamon." It's like be nice. Yeah, <laughs> like she's just this, she's like, just a, she's just a horse girl, Takano, and like plus like you or you like her, so like why are you being so mean to her? Yeah, like in the sub he just blushes, he doesn't say anything, but in the dub like he he calls her crazy. It's like that's so mean. Like she's a bit quirky. She's not crazy. Yeah, I, like- to be fair. She has a dog hand puppet that she uses to chide him. We we know that she has yeah she has her like Jim Henson bit she likes to do but like <laughs> she has she as we've seen already she has a lot of friends she has a good uh, you know a good few friends so yeah. clearly everyone else is just chill with it or she's very good at hiding it. Um, but I don't think so. Just her for being neurodivergent. That's not cool. Yeah, and yeah, like, I just like really she's crazy. Cool. And everyone else is like hey, that asshole Takato. Why you know. Call this episode to Tato's uh, call-out post. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting on Tumblr right now and, and writing it's, it. It's, this, is yeah, why it's Takato, so because... this is why Takato's only friends are like the the like, the like weird loser nerd kid and the asshole that cheats at Digimon. Like, it's because he's <laughs> And just also the dinosaur that he made. Yeah, the, the nuclear dinosaur that <laughs> he, he had to make. He had dreams. to make one of his friends. <laughs> he had to make a friend. Oh no, that's so sad. <laughs> and... Speaking of weird moments in this episode, there's like a moment where Terrier Mongo is like full stoner. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, where... is this is this when they're playing rock paper scissors or no no? Or it's it's that? when it's after he uh, afraid that Gilmon's going to disappear, and Terrier just basically says, it "Doesn't matter where he goes, man. Our world, your world, it's all the same, man." <laughs> oh yeah, I put in my notes that that Terrier Mondo and like they're really both the same. If you think about it, like he was doing my bit where I'd be like, you know, it's it's such and such, you know, you think. <laughs> I was like, why is he doing my bit that I do twenty years later? That's very not nice of him. Terrier Mon, please credit me for my work. Thank you. <laughs> Terrier Mon is one of my favorite like tropes or like character tropes of like the guy in the background who just says shit and like has zero like. I'm thinking of characters like. Um, Gene Gene does this a lot in Bob's Burgers. Uh, he'll just like throw out shit and then and then like I'm just I'm just imagining Henry as like the Bob stand-in just to say like Gene, <laughs> like every time he says something like <laughs> accidentally rude. Whatever. Uh, I'm also thinking of Have you ever seen the like Party Down? Either of you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, like Martin Starr's character in that who is like. <laughs> Maybe oh god, yeah. Just um, I love that kind of character, and Terriamon basically fills that role right now because, you know, he's he's had he's had the episode, you know, he had the episode Grimon on that, which was like, you know, a, a, an important character-defining moment for him. But like, since then, he's just been in the background, just just chatting shit, and I'm, I can appreciate that. That's a that's a fun character trope, and and um, God, who is it? Who is Terriamon? Is it is it Mona Marshall? It's Mona Marshall. Yeah, Mona Marshall. Yeah, thoughts. Okay, right. I had a brain fart then. I'm not sure what happened. Um, the yeah. So um, Mona Marshall's like performance is really good. Really sells those the his, his like sass. It's very fun because in previous seasons we've had partners making fun of their own partners, but I don't think we've ever seen like a partner just dunking on everyone. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like, appreciate it. Yeah, I feel I feel like the, the before now the like the. The only Digimon that had like, you know, uh, I was gonna say unfriendly. That's not the right word, but like, and I hate to keep using the word sassy, but like, you know, you, the, the only person, the only Digimon that had that that much of an attitude, or whatever, was Gatamon, and that really, that, that was really just her being more like, you know, uh, 
sort of sly and so on, whilst still generally saying and doing good things rather than Terry Amon, who who does good things, but he says a lot of he says a lot of rubbish. <laughs> he says a lot of like yeah, stuff he talks to... a lot of smack. Yeah, he just, just he just says shit to like rile people up. Like it's literally the one the first thing he says says to Renamon is like. And, and Henry has to be like, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you're going to get yourself killed. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we like Terry Amon for a reason. Like, it is not an accident. Yeah. We ended up liking Terry Amon as much as we do. It's not just because he's cute and cuddly. Um, that is a big part of it. Let's, let's be it clear. helps. It helps, but ultimately, uh, if, I, if I was to get, like, a Terry Amon plush or whatever, I'd need one that, like, I can press it and it just says, like, random lines. It just from insults the show you. And- yeah, it's it's that moment tie, and then like uh, you're a bad team or whatever he says, whatever he says. To Kato <laughs> yeah, in, like, you can't even look after one Digimon. You're not fit to be a tamer at all. Yeah, um, yeah, he's great. Um, I skate on sausages. That's a good line. I like that a lot. Incredible phrase from Gilmon when he's talking about like how it feels to be in the like the weird fuzzy void the vhs void if you want to call it no it's that's how he describes being scared oh it's, it's sorry how, it's yes, how yes. calamon talks about being scared and then they mention afterwards where it's like it's like ice skating on sausages yeah that's 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 right yeah yeah that's that because yeah, there's correct, no point yeah. in being scared just like there's no point in ice skating on sausages that's <laughs> such a good phrase really i really like that uh, really, i want to use talk- that phrase more it took me off guard. I was I was surprised by that. I was like, it took me by surprise rather. And I was like, whoa, that's an interesting phrase. Uh, cool, awesome. I, I like. I liked um at the end of the episode when when Henry congratulates Takato on being brave, and Takato kind of sheepishly says, "Hey, well, there's a first time for everything," which is like immediately draws such a, a great contrast between him and the previous season's protagonists, who were explicitly like you know the holders of the crest of courage. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. I, I love I love uh, contrasting protagonists. I like that. Yeah. Um, I haven't really thought about it until now, but I like that the whole crests thing has just is just completely absent this time around. Like they aren't trying to pre- prescribe like predefined traits onto these characters. Yeah, I, I, these characters are definitely too complicated to water down to a single like virtue or whatever. Yeah, they would not be like eligible. I would say to like have any of the crests because they're you know. Takato is just a bit too timid <laughs> um, to be like the one. You could maybe get like the friendship one at most, but even then, it's like I don't. Yeah, um, it's it, it, yeah. They are too complicated. Yeah, like one of the things I said about Avengers Two is that like the characters felt like they were trying to like make them just like two of the traits of the previous of the, like of the previous characters, like right. Davis is the courageous guy who likes making friends or whatever. And it almost kind of felt like, especially with like Cody as an example, that that kind of thinking kind of got in the way of their character development because it was like, he has to be the intelligent, responsible one. And it's kind of like, uh, well, I'm not sure you're writing him that way, but I guess so. I don't know. Like, there was some weird clash there. So it kind of felt like you either do that or you just don't do it at all. And. This is definitely, yeah, they, they, them just ditching that concept entirely for this one makes so much sense. Uh, just makes everything feel way tighter. Uh, I'm, I'm more, I'm, you know, more layered, more interesting. Uh, yeah, definitely. No, like I, I mean, in a way, I see that I personally, at least in adventure, adventure, I don't see as much wrong with the 
the crust because they do uh, set up like a nice foundation for the characters because at least most of them they don't very much um, like just ascribe like solely to like the the core trait of that and like they have some troubles like sort of like some hurdles with it or they might like you know deal with like presenting it in the wrong way but it's pretty good but yeah your adventure zero two point is really just sort of like hey characters x and y so that that's it that's all you get and yeah these characters I, I i like how it is very much just a fact of like no these are just characters and we don't need to give them these traits we can just sort of let them vibe type of thing yeah it, it feels very like um i don't know it's like they were aware of the fact that like having characters with predefined traits and so on isn't is maybe like a bit of a uh what's the phrase it's 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 going to be like a an obstacle eventually like you can't keep doing that it's limiting like, it's limiting there you go so um well they didn't really address that properly in o2 and then here they they it doesn't even i can i feel like it probably didn't even come to mind when they were you know developing these characters so so, so yeah it, it's it's much better i haven't even considered it until now but yeah um you can't you can't prescribe create uh, crests to these characters and that's and that's a good thing like objectively <laughs> yeah like if 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 you had them do it to themselves it's like a, oh like i bet i could be like the crest of such and such and they're like nah you're too like x y for that it's like yeah but like i appreciate that they steer away from that as like a, yes. a show concept as yeah, opposed like- to what would Rika have? Like, Rika wouldn't have any. <laughs> would she? Like, she'd have the crest of being kind of a jerk. Yeah, because like, even even though she, even if she, even though she softens up later on and like you know, comes more of a she can have sincerity. I mean, regardless of all her other traits, she is one hundred percent sincere. Yeah, she sincerely lets you know to that she doesn't like you and to stop uh, coming to her house and talking yeah. about your dreams. Know, like when she tells you when she tells you she's gonna kick your ass, she's sincere about it. <laughs> That's, I guess that's true. She has doubts and stuff already, like when like Calamon's hugging at her feet and stuff, and she's like just brushes them off entirely. Like she's not afraid to just, you know, keep put her image first and foremost. So yeah. I don't know, like which is again, this is this is objectively a good thing and makes people for more interesting characters. Yeah. But but yeah, like it's funny to think about <laughs> one of the main characters of this show is like too much of an ass basically to, <laughs> to really to really uh you know apply for any of the uh, the very important traits of the previous protagonists so totally um, yeah anyway that's that's my two cents in this does anyone else have any other things about this episode which they i i really love takato's parents in this episode because like they're they're like all worried but they're also like let's eat the ice cream we save for dessert until it melted and then the dad's just like oh i already ate that i'm just like i love this <laughs> yeah his parents are so good like i i love how well characterized all of the main trio's families are. Yeah, and also uh, Rika's grandma, like, just on the computer chat, like, so I said, girlfriend, as if. I'm like, I love this. Like, it is so minor, but it is so adorable to, like, see this. Like, because you wouldn't see this. You haven't seen this in the past episodes. Yeah, you, you, um... All the adults feel like they just have kind of, like, bummer lives. And, like, the teacher's kind of... the The teacher's kind of, like kick things off in this regard and like Takato's parents and the teachers I suppose are the are the first adults we really see uh aside from like Yamaki who we don't really hear from until this episode um and like the, you know Takato is obviously again I've said he's like working class family his parents are bakers and you know they're obviously you know they're paying the rent and all that like 
again, his family is literally Bob's Burgers. Um, he he is like you know they 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 have a bit of a um less than ideal situation, let's say, and it kind of reflects in the way that they talk about you know they just they just talk in general and the teachers feel like very similar as well where they're like kind of stuck stuck in dead end jobs or whatever it just feels like uh but the more adults they get introduced like it just seems to be a consistent thing of them all just sort of being very they're, they're all afraid to portray the adults as like not all authoritarian figures and not like you know like basically like cool big brothers or whatever but like you know they're just like adults and life's kind of shit but hey how you get along with it okay. it's a very it's a very realistic interpretation of of, uh, of adult life i suppose which uh is fun and they they clearly have fun with it and it feels like it feels like the writer's kind of speaking through characters that resemble themselves whereas you know they're writing children most of the time so they can't really do that um yeah <laughs> so it's it's i i i dug that a lot um yeah the most important parent, of course, being uh, Takato. Takato being uh, Gilmon's Gil- mommy. <laughs> <laughs> that was also a cute little bit. I thought that was funny. And yeah, Takato's like, no, no, don't ruin my street cred. And it's like, dude, what street cred? <laughs> yeah, you have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Every single episode in this series so far, they give like Renamon like uncomfortably like sexy lines. <laughs> like in, in the last episode, she was like calling the Alamon like big boy and handsome or whatever it's like oh uh, she does you know that a lot doing. yeah you know what you're doing yeah. don't you it's kind of weird um you ain't slick it also comes also also all of their like shit talking is like it just comes across as like <laughs> you know what it reminds me of now actually it's uh, it's like when Ethan winters is talking shit in resident evil <laughs> like yeah <laughs> it just comes across as like who are you kidding like you you okay you may have competency or whatever but like you cannot talk to save your life like you are you are like um scrafty help me out here who's like a wrestler who's like good in the ring but like can't talk on the mic it's clearly um, a few, I, I mean late late era uh roddy roddy piper <laughs> you could barely form a coherent sentence but you're still good in the ring sure okay let's go with that so like you know she's the roddy piper of digimon <laughs> we're making a lot of weird comparisons today um so yeah <laughs> yes yeah, like if you if you look up some some um like later Roddy Piper pr- uh, promos, like it it sounds like he's like speaking with a mouthful of mashed potatoes. <laughs> oh dear! Like he'll get out in the microphone and be like, <laughs> and then he'll get in the ring and, and destroy everyone. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, you know that's what that's what matters at the end of the day. Yeah, it's it, it was it was. It's weird. I have R.I.P. Roddy Roddy Piper. You're, you're a great wrestler. Um, not the best orator, but who needs to be? Yeah. We still love you. Yeah, had some interesting uh, phases, let's say. Um, yeah. oh, oh, they, they live, though. It, uh, you know, he was in They Live, and that film's awesome. So. Yeah, he was also one of the best uh, side characters in Always Sunny. Oh, right, yes, yes. <laughs> one, of my, one of my favorite lines in that show when He's like he plays like a, a like very deranged professional wrestler who um the the main character's hired put on a show to support the troops quote unquote even though it's just a scam um and at one point after like they they're starting to realize how like unhinged he is and how he could be a potential danger to everyone around him 
he just like puts his arms around one of them and goes, you know, I like you guys. You remind me of my kids. And then they go, oh, you have kids? And he just kind of looks off in the middle distance and goes, nah, not anymore. And walks away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, that's the one that ends with, um, oh my god, what the hell is the it? Trash it's like, man? It, oh. uh, well, yeah, trash man. But before that, it's got like Dennis dressed up as like Bin Laden or something. And <laughs> yeah, it's the, just like the birds of incredibly war. tasteless. Yeah. Uh, but it's also like very true no, no, to yeah, no, they hire they hire uh, Ricky Cricket to to be their heel. Who they call it the the Taliban and the most like insensitive like that, ridiculous oh, portrayal wrong. ever. Yeah, it's but, like <laughs> yep. It's yeah, and then and then he he effortlessly destroys all of them, even though they think that he's going to be a wimp. <laughs> yeah, the trash man that was great. Anyway, um, I um. Has anyone else got anything else to say about this episode? Because I feel like we might have no, I think once we started pivoting dry. to song I think I'm, I think I'm about tapped out. <laughs> That's fine. I was about to pivot to more wrestling yeah. talk, and I, I looked at how long we've been recording. I was like, uh, maybe, maybe we'll do Slow in a favor here. So, <laughs> so as always, um, you can send reader mail to digiNovacast at gmail.com. That is D-I-G-I-Novacast at gmail.com, or on our Twitter account that is at digiNovacast. Um, we're still keeping that despite despite the branding change because you know uh, a, a, that Twitter name might or might not be taken. Who's to say? Um, aside from that, Scrafty, what I, have you been I, up to this past well, week? I, I made a Twitter account, so I'm to say it is taken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I said hey. who's to say, and so you were to say. <laughs> Why are we keeping uh, it a secret? Okay. It's taken. If, if you if you own that Twitter account, uh, you're you're welcome to relinquish it to us at any given point. But uh, you know. <laughs> we'll, we'll make do we'll make do about it anyway we'll make do yeah country right, girls so, make do uh, what I've been up to this week uh, I actually finished Resident Evil Village um, I think that is a fantastic game I think that's like a 9.5 out of 10 game I freaking love that game a lot I, I understand what you mean Tom what you said last week I agree with you I also think it doesn't matter like it doesn't affect my opinion at all that's fine. I remember yeah, I mean, seeing seeing you tweet about it, about beating it, and then I immediately came to the Discord and be like, "So, what do you think about that one fight?" Because I wanted to hear what you thought about it so bad because it's so it was, ridiculous. It was so good. You're about like, Heisenberg. Yeah, it's not a spoiler yeah, to say like, you fight I, Heisenberg. By the way, he's all over the trailers. So yeah, I think you're fine with that. I think um, I think that that game is the perfect combination of actual scary and off the rails because like. I'm not sure if this is an unpopular opinion. I love Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil 4 is a fantastic game. I don't think it's scary at all. Like, I can count on, on one hand the number of times a game even, like, mildly spooked me compared to the others. Um, I think 8 feels like 4, but actually scary. Like, there's there's so... The horror is so much better in this game. It's like, it's like the horror of the of 2 remake with the action-adventure of 4. And I think that's, like, the perfect sweet spot for Resident Evil for me. Yeah. It's like um, I feel like the VR version of Seven is probably more effective. Like, but that's kind of feels like cheating to be honest. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like um, Seven is definitely scarier, but I also think that it has more variety of scares. If that makes sense, sure. Like Seven's a fantastic game. I just think that Seven's hamstrung a bit by only having like three different enemy types in the entire game. Right, yeah, I saw that was a common thing about. Yeah, like you, you get used to the yeah, you like you get used to the enemy types pretty fast, and after you've seen them all, like they they can't really intimidate you just by by their presence because you know you know how to deal with them, you know how to you know what to expect when you see them. 
Um, eight is just constantly chucking new stuff at you, and I think that's what helps keep it really scary all the time. Like there, there were like there were parts in in eight, like the first time they introduced like one of those evolved werewolf things. I think it's called like a va- va- vasilak or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that friggin' terrified me. Just like the way it comes at you, and like how it has like very uncanny proportions compared to the other lichens you've been fighting up to that point. It's it is fantastic. The first time in the factory when they throw um one of the armored cyborgs at you like yes. that was a fantastic moment as well because like you're walking in a dark hallway and you just see like sparks on the ground from where they're dragging their blade arms and then they slowly walk into the light it's such a good like cinematic framing of an enemy without actually making it like a cutscene or whatever yeah yeah the, the game has a lot of really good like spooky moments without having to rely on jump scares like seven did at times I, like, like i said I, I do love seven i think seven's a great game very very scary game um, that game uses a lot of jump scares, though, and I'm not super into that sometimes. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of jump scares, <laughs> which is why yeah. the scarier Resi stuff has kind of always kind of put me off. Uh, I do have a copy of Resident Evil 2 Remake, which I am I need to play at one point, but, um, and I should know what to expect. Yeah, I haven't watched streams of it before, but like, and I know it's scary. <laughs> yeah, 2, I'm, I'm, 2 I'm, Remake I'm... is really scary. I think, <laughs> I think 2 Remake is the, probably, probably the scariest Resident Evil game, just because it's um, it's mostly atmosphere. There aren't a whole lot of jump scares. Um, it's yeah, like they there's a bunch of great moments where like you can see zombies banging on the window, and you know they're gonna break through eventually unless you board up the window. So there's that like mounting dread. If it's like you walk by that window and you see them there, but you don't have any boards on the moment, you're like, okay, so that's gonna be a problem later that I'm gonna have to deal with. Or like you walk into a room and a zombie's in there, and you're, you know, low on bullets or out of bullets, so, like, you you have to start playing in your head how you're going to navigate around that around this thing, and the, the tension that that builds is great. I like it a lot. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that it seems to have had a positive reception all around, because I think it's, I think it's nice to have, like, a schlocky thing that people can, you know, kind of just appreciate it without it being high art or whatever. Uh, especially in, like, the AAA, like, video game space, where everything's trying to be friggin' Oscar worthy or whatever. You know, it's just that stuff gets annoying. Let 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 games just be goofy and fun and you know, I think by all accounts it seems like Village accomplished that. So good on good on Capcom as a as we as, as we seem to say a lot nowadays because they just <laughs> seem to be, keep making good games. So uh good for them. Yeah, so I think I think eight is in the running for my favorite Resident Evil game. It's it's up there for sure. I I, I loved it. I think it's like, like I said, it is a greatest hits collection of what works in other, um, in other Resident Evil games. But I, I, I love that. I love that approach to it. I think that more games should be open to that instead of having to, um, you know, constantly be innovating. Just looking at what works and using what works in creative and fun ways can make a more enjoyable experience than, you know, going for an all or nothing, like, brand new approach that just doesn't feel like it's quite working as well. <laughs> Don't tend to. <laughs> take notes <laughs> yeah you've been playing anything else not not a whole lot right now to be honest i'm still keeping very busy with work uh to give you an example of what kind of work i'm doing <laughs> right now um as of monday i'm starting on a project where i'm going to have to go through every single nintendo direct ever made and like make like a, a categorized list of everything announced in them it's for like my, my employers they want to do like a some kind of like a record or something. That's um, eight years. I mean, to be fair, like they really slowed down the production of those. 
Does that include stuff like Animal Crossing directs and your Bayonetta 2 directs and that kind of stuff? I think it does, yeah. But, like, I'm getting paid for it, so whatever. Oh, well, sure, yeah. I mean, shit, I, like, I, won't, I won't mind doing that on my job. Um, put it that way. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. Well, have fun with that. That's going to be a bloody task. Um, good luck with the indie yeah, ones as well. You know what? It's, <laughs> the the, the it, indie ones are going to have so much shit. Yeah, th- thankfully I've got a very generous daily rate at my job, so it, even if I get mundane work, it's uh, it's mundane work that's going to pay my bills. <laughs> so, um, can't can't complain about that. You really can't. Yeah. So what uh, what about you, Tom? What have you what have you been up to this this past week? Um, yeah, just very. I mean, I had the last week off, so it was a lot of catching up with um, various things that I've. Uh, yeah, I've just been watching a lot of telly, probably told by some of my references lately, but I'm still going through Bob's Burgers and I'm on like season nine of that now, so I've been making pretty solid progress. I mean it's like a twenty minute, you know, show, so it's not it's not it's not hard to get through a lot of that very quickly, but I've really been enjoying it. And I've got to season nine and I'm just like, Oh, the quality of this has basically remained consistent throughout its entire series, which is wild to me. So um How many seasons them for that have? I think he's got eleven, so I think I'm coming up to the end. And I don't know, okay. I don't know how many are on Disney Plus right now. Whether it's the full eleven or whether it's like there's one missing. Uh, but whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so I'll uh, I'm not. I'll probably just. I was gonna say I'll loop it, but like I probably won't actually because I'll just. Uh, are you looking forward to the, my... the movie this year? If it comes out, um, yeah, I, that seems to have been bumped around the schedules a lot. And honestly, if if any of the stuff that Disney inherited from the Fox buyout were to get, like, canned or something. That seems like it would be a contender. But it's, I don't know why. it's done. But, like, it's finished. I don't, I don't know how they could can it at this point. Hey, Nimona was almost finished, and, you know, you know what they did to that, so... Um, no, but, like, Bob's Burgers is like, finished. Like, it's done. <laughs> they, they have it sitting on the shelf somewhere, like, like New Mutants. Well, yeah, let them, let them put it out. I mean, I could see that ending up as, like, a Disney Plus release. Who knows? If it shows up in cinemas, then I'll go watch it there. So that'd be that'd be fun. But it's, it, I really hoped that this show has like found a new audience in streaming because it's really just not got an audience over here specifically. And like we like the American animated shows, like Family Guy, you know, stuff like that does well. Um, Rick and Morty's done well. Obviously, The Simpsons. Obviously, South Park. So like a show like this should blossom over here, but it's just never had the right like platform. Um, I have to feel like. Having this sat besides, like, you know, the Marvel shows and the Mandalorian and all that stuff can only be a good thing. So um, I've been watching a shitload of it, and I hope I, I, I get the feeling other people have too. Just looking at like some of the popular stuff he keeps presenting me with on on that. So, um, so yeah. Anyway, so I hope that's good. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Um, other than that, I've been playing a couple of games. Uh, I was playing. Uh, so I played two things mainly. Um, Sludge Life, which is a game published by Devolver, um, made by a very small team. I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's basically like a bunch. It's a few people that are like adjacent to Vlambeer and that sort of side of the indie game community. Like it has that same sort of energy. It's very like so this thing has like a VHS filter and like sort of like a fisheye lens sort of thing going on with its visuals. It's been out on PC for like a year and it's just come out on Switch. Um, <laughs> it was free on the Epic Games Store for like a whole year and I think it's finally like 
come to Steam and you have to buy it now. <laughs> so sorry, sorry for anyone who missed out, I guess. Um, but it's it's fun. It's basically like a open world platformer sort of thing where you go around like just tagging stuff with graffiti, uh, and the characters there are very silly and it's all very um, irreverent. And uh, the, you know you can smoke cigarettes and piss in toilets and do magic mushrooms and stuff. So it's very goofy. It has like an Adult Swim sort of vibe, but I, I enjoyed it a fair bit. Uh, it's got a fun sense of humour. Uh, yeah, the other thing I've been playing is a game called Overboard, uh, which is a game by the people who made 80 Days and Heaven's Vault. Um, oh, so uh, cool. this is more... I gotta check. yeah, I still need to check that out. Yeah, it just like surprise released. I, 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 they announced and released it on the same day. It's like a surprise thing on both. Uh, I think it's like PC, iOS, and Switch. Um, very nice that it came to Switch straight away because I've, I've enjoyed playing it on there. Um, it's a, basically a game where you are a woman on a 1930s cruise ship. You have pushed your husband overboard um, because you're sick of the sight of him, basically. <laughs> um, there are other reasons as well, which the game does explore. And the uh, the idea is that uh, you are like basically like eight hours away from docking in New York, at which point you'll be like, you know, be able to get away with murder. And you've basically got to make it through those eight hours covering up your tracks um, in, you know, basically convincing people of a version of events which is favourable to you uh, and also trying to, like, make it look like he didn't kill himself because then you won't get any life insurance money. So, <laughs> so it's a very it's a very interesting game uh, and it's, uh, it's got it. The characters are so well written and, the, like, the interactions between the various characters and, like, the way they play off one another and, like, some of the things it does with, like, the politics of the time and you know, um, other things like that, uh, and just some like weird comedy stuff. It, it's not afraid to get a bit strange. Like there is a help part you can go to on the ship, and it's just a chapel, and you just literally talk to God and say, "Hey, help me out." Uh, and God is like, "I hate you," because <laughs> 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 you know, because you murdered your husband. So it's very, it's very fun. It's like a reverse murder mystery type thing, and that's the best way to describe it. And I would highly encourage everyone check it out. It's instantly jumped to one of my favorite things i've played this year so um yeah good good shit it's good shit uh, and that's all i've been doing um so uh sloan what have you been up to i haven't been up to much uh things have been a little hectic for me this week which is why we've had some delayed episodes sorry about that but sometimes things just happen to you and you really can't get much done uh in some of my uh more like not quite stupors but like Moments of exhaustion. Getting back into Slay the Spire a bit. And I've also started Cultist Simulator, which I find kind of interesting, if a bit incomprehensible at times in terms of playing it. So I kind of want to try that a bit more, but I think I might fall off it soon just because I, I like the ideas, but approaching it, they don't give you a lot to sort of go... Like, if there was, like, a decent tutorial or something, like, I would I would like it more, but they just sort of throw you in, in, a, in a thing that is kind of hard to to comprehend so yeah yeah it's it's kind of tricky i i'm very tempted to get overboard though and i really want to get umarangi generation now that's out on switch um, yeah i really want to get that too i think i might get that today or something or maybe overboard i, I have got it <laughs> and and i'm yeah i noticed. i'd be, I'd be looking <laughs> yeah i just tweeted about it because people need to know it seems like it's just being such a 
uh, quiet announcement or release or whatever. Anyway, I, I've been looking forward to playing that for so long and uh, especially coming off of playing Pokemon Snap. Um, I'm, I'm on a photography oh, kick, definitely. I guess. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's keep it rolling. Yeah, I I want I, I can't wait to check that out because I I've held off getting it on PC because I've wanted to get it on Switch because it just seems like such a good fit. Again, like you said, Pokemon Snap. That's really it. I haven't been up to much. Uh, I am falling behind in like my actually getting uh, games done this year after I finished like Persona Five Royal. So I need to start like beating games again so I can feel less guilty about getting new ones. <laughs> it's rough. <laughs> it's rough. I actually, um, I just, I just grabbed that because uh, it was on sale for like twenty bucks on the Days of Play sale. Oh, okay. So like, I was, oh, uh, I was not Royal. a fan of the of the vanilla Persona Five, but multiple people I trust, including you, have said that this version is significantly better. So I'm, I'm going to give it another shot at some point. Look, uh, my 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 turn from just very much. Not quite loathing Persona Five Vanilla, but to like just really not vibing with and liking it. To wow. This game sure would have been really great uh, if this was the version that came out initially. Uh, is monumental. I think the third semester is fantastic. I think aside from like you know those those Atlas points of just being Atlas, I think generally you'll really like it whenever you get to it. Yeah, like I've I've heard that it's it's not perfect, and I doubt that I'll I'll adore it because I think my issues with Persona Five and its storytelling are like fundamental like core issues that you couldn't change without you know scrapping totally. the game and starting again. But totally. I've heard the third semester is pretty standalone. Like it's, it doesn't get weighed down by the the storytelling issues that the rest of the game has. Um, yeah. So hearing that, I'm I'm very excited to give it a try. Yeah, I think I, you'll like it. I I just saw something that was saying that like it's been rated for release on Xbox. So, you know, the console. Everyone's been asking for Tone of Five Row to be ported to <laughs> the Xbox. Um, You're hopefully right. Hopefully that okay. Hopefully that means it's going to more than just Xbox and we can hope for like a wider announcement of, of ports or something. I don't know. Uh, look, I want it on Switch. Like, I, I, I don't think Give that's Give me a like PC a port so I can mod all like the bad stuff out yeah. and also just like <laughs> you can and I can like add a Ryuji like romance and like then I'm good. Uh, I feel like modders are more likely to give you like, you know, the, um, I don't know nude models or something like that you know just basically go in the opposite direction of what you want that's what i'm saying well, what I'm I, well, I'm, well i will learn to mod the game and i'll do it myself okay good yes that awesome i will support you uh in those endeavors thank you if yeah if you do so. thank yeah. you I PC, P- release your games on pc people like just do it like preservation etc um yeah. yep yep and with that, with that good message uh, from Tom, I think we're going to call an episode. Uh, next week, we are covering episodes 8 and 9. I think that'll be a lot better, if only because those episodes are contained better with themselves. And also, three episodes with such a dense series is a lot, as yeah. you might be able to tell by the length of this podcast by the time it's out. <laughs> sorry. sorry. No, sorry. it's no, it's fine. No, it's it's good. The we're all good here. Yeah. Look, we have a lot to say about it, and it's better to have a lot to say about something than to have nothing to say about it. Yeah, exactly. Remove that whole part about tamers and and you know the the implications of that word and so on, and uh, and then you'll have a title. No, I'm gonna keep it in now, or I'm gonna leave it <laughs> out, but then I'm gonna mention it in the description so that way, like everyone's like, confusing. "Wow, Tom, that's kind of sus." Release the uh, release the Tom cut. I don't know. Just end this podcast. Release the <laughs> release the release the Tom the Tomers cut. It's Tom and Tambers. There we go. And with that, this has been the Novacast, and thank you for listening. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.